Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight, a horror movie podcast brought to you by us here at Mail Fuzz TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am Peter and joining me returning from his three-week <laughs> vacation is Tim. Uh, has it only been three weeks? <laughs> Feels like a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean you couldn't wait to come back? That's what that means. That means that you were determined to get back and it felt like an eternity. Uh... <laughs> sure you can say that <laughs> because absence makes the heart grow fonder because we have a very healthy relationship more on healthy relationships later on in mm-hmm. this show <laughs> <laughs> because the movie we are going to talk about on the podcast today is of course the new release of midsummer now of course mm-hmm. you may be thinking to yourselves you know i mean it's obvious i just said tim is on vacation that answers the question is why mm-hmm. there's been no child's play review unfortunately um there's like very little showings of it so we're going to have to wait for the the home release at this point um so apologies i know it's weird to miss that one in the theaters but we'll get to it uh luckily annabelle comes home um i should be able to see you later this week and we'll be discussing that for next week's episode so uh we'll get that one done but uh we're going about midsummer ari aster's new film this is the the film of course that he's following up hereditary with so that's why it's kind of notable but for the first time ever on this show, before we get to the movie, I know, Tim, we got a new segment. Are you excited? A little bit. A little bit. That's a good sign. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about this week's horror movie news. A couple of news bits, a couple of trailers to talk about. And we're going to do that now, ongoing, uh, weekly on the show. Uh, unless there's two episodes in a week, in which case, of course, the second episode won't have any news on it because that just makes sense. Because Unless it's like breaking news in like the day or two in between we record <laughs> it doesn't work that way Timmy <laughs> our episodes are recorded in advance the news is recorded once so we can edit it in you should know this you're part of the process I should know this <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're going to do a little, little bit of movie news um, and uh, that'll be like an ongoing feature on the, on the show um, I thought Tim was about to blow me a kiss there. That that was a little. That <laughs> was a little terrified. He had his mouth, his hand up to his mouth. Like, <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I can't afford another workplace harassment suit. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another scandal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just back <laughs> from his, thing this network needs. <laughs> just back from his honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> and risking kiss blowing in my direction just want to point that out just want to point that out um so yeah so we'll get to the movie after the news there'll, there'll be time stamped i'll make sure there's time stamps every week if you want to skip the news and go straight to the movie discussion uh you can do that um so yeah and uh, news just a couple of news items that was i felt was worth talking about this week by all means always add uh put some in the comments if you feel we've missed some i'm tim might even bring some to my attention if he feels that i'm doing a poor job uh, sure. <laughs> I know Connor loves doing that in the TV news. Um, so I know you're excited about the new Saw film, Tim. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you're excited. You're excited because we're getting a Chris Rock produced and starring mm-hmm. Saw reboot, um, mm-hmm. which also confirmed this very day of recording that Samuel Jackson is also going to be in Saw Eight. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um... Man, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know what to say about that. I, I, I do like Sam Jackson. Uh, Who doesn't? And <laughs> I, I do hate the Saw franchise, but I mean, all this stuff that feels very unsaw like I don't know, maybe it's a good thing. Like, maybe <laughs> this will be the first Saw movie that I kind of love. 
don't know. Potentially, potentially. Darren <laughs> Lynn Bozeman is directed, who did direct two through four, um, yeah. which you know can't say much for. I do happen to mm-hmm. like the collector, which he did. I know you're not as fond, yeah. but I mean, I like it more than Saw for sure. But yeah, I can go on board with that. We're in agreement with that. It's better than Saw. So uh, production is officially. Is this... oh. Well, is this the first time that they've done like a reboot but kind of kept the same director like you know admittedly he's not the director of the first movie but yeah it's kind of weird huh <laughs> it, it could be a saw reboot um oh, oh sorry this is saw nine not eight sorry i forget there was seven originally and then jigsaw was the eighth sorry i, I yeah, thought there was okay. six then a seventh one was jigsaw but it was seven <laughs> then jigsaw sorry dear lord <laughs> because the production and the production that's just known as saw nine uh with roman numerals okay. amusingly even though it's never had roman numerals oh wait, did wait it? so no, it's, it is did. it not a... it, mm-hmm. no it, it did have roman numerals no I, yeah. I, that's my bad it did have roman because i had the fingers and then it had the yeah yeah it did have okay. roman numerals yeah <laughs> so so is it a reboot then or is it a sequel um well it's kind of unclear i mean that could just be the production code uh because it's, it's actually officially it's untitled the actual title for the movie is like not known or maybe even not decided yet oh, okay. um I, th- I think whenever the news first came out it was pitched as a reboot i would maybe mm-hmm. go as far as maybe guess that it's going to be like a soft reboot and it may still have continuity okay. but be kind of fresh or maybe it'll be an outright completely restart of the franchise i don't know at this point the <laughs> the continuity of somehow involving jigsaw even though he's been dead since like the third movie has been <laughs> so ridiculous that I, I don't even i don't even know uh, so I've got I've got a, a bit of a info here. So production has officially begun on the untitled film in which Chris Rock will play a police detective investigating a series of grisly crimes and Jackson will portray Rock's father. Uh, this is all coming from Blade Disgusting. Uh, also joining the cast will be Max Minghella, uh, who I know from uh, The Handmaid's Tale, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, who will play William Schneck, uh, Rock's partner, and uh, Marisol Nichols, uh, who was in Stream 2 in Riverdale, will play Captain Angie Garza, uh, Chris Rock's boss. Uh, so, interesting there, there's a lot of the uh, the cop and the surrounding characters of the cop. Uh, very few, like, here's the people in the game casting yeah. in that list. Um, is is uh, Samuel Jackson that much older than Chris Rock to be playing his dad? <laughs> Samuel Jackson's like 71. Oh, is he really? Oh, wow. I didn't realize he was that old. <laughs> I mean, Chris Rock must be pushing 50, but yeah, he's old enough to be his dad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Give or take. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. I know you don't think of him as being that old, but he's actually really old, didn't yeah. he? Oh. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and the, the other part's just really generic. The film will offer fans worldwide with a new amped-up level of deviously treacherous traps, clever clues, and edge-of-the-seat suspense they can expect from one of the world's most terrifying horror franchises fluff nothing but fluff oh okay well that's good i didn't you know i was worried that it might not have edge of your seat expense uh, suspense so that's that's cool i'm a little more interested now you, you almost said edge of your seat expense is that is that when you're getting like the the medical bill in it and you're on the edge of your seat like, edge of your seat expenses oh god oh well you know sometimes uh you know you sit on the edge so much uh can be bad for your back and then mm. yeah you get some pretty expensive medical bills so that, that's uh, a, which that's i mean expense, yeah that sounds like a very long-term saw trap uh for you oh i, I want a parody of saw now where the traps are just like slowly <laughs> making your like your health worse because you're sitting the wrong way or because you you sleep the wrong way <laughs> yeah i mean that I, that one actually wouldn't be too bad idea i would i would have i'd be for a comedic send-up of the, saw. The, the killer makes you die slowly by eating too much cholesterol <laughs> 
know what the problem is? Is uh, if you did like a comedic Saw parody, that could actually be pretty funny. But, you know, if they did do it, they, it would just be like those, you know, scary movie people where like, you know, they wouldn't even try to hide like the parody. Like it would just be the exact same like things and people and just like, you know, there'd be like one different thing where you know, at the end, like, someone farts instead of dies. Or yeah. whatever, like. <laughs> Whereas I want to hear, do you want to play a game? How about Monopoly? Yeah. A Pictionary? <laughs> Maybe some yeah, like... Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the yeah, Jigsaw is just, like, a lonely loser. He's yeah. Like... <laughs> that's, that's why it's called <laughs> Jigsaw, because Jigsaw is the thing you can play on your own. You, <laughs> you put Jigsaws together by yourself. That's true. Yeah, see, this is this is not too bad. Maybe we should pitch this somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame if they hadn't called the the the, the kind of kind of semi sequel reboot Jigsaw, you could have called it Jigsaw. That could be the t- title title of this parody. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the oh. next bit of news, uh, more sequel news, is uh, mm-hmm. concerning Halloween because we both loved 2018's uh, <laughs> comeback movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is an unconfirmed rumor, but it's kind of juicy enough that it's worth talking about so we know that there's been talks with jamie lee curtis and um bloomhouse about potential sequel and so on so apparently a uh, uh, bloody disgusting here with an extremely reliable insider has apparently claimed um that's, that's not been verified but claimed uh that david gordon green who directed the the halloween 2018 is is decided to return and direct back-to-back sequels making it something of a trilogy um so you know, um, so from what the the ins- or from what Blade Disgusting has been has heard from this insider, is not only will there be filming uh, two back to back sequels, but they are discussing releasing both in the same month, which sounds nuts. That sounds yeah, like that, just too crazy. Yeah, that I, it's I, I mean, has that ever really been done? Like, obviously, filming stuff back to back, it's yeah. Like, you know, not like super uncommon, but like if they, to actually release them at the same time. If they said it was a two-part thing, and one was coming out October twenty twenty, and the other was October twenty twenty-one, I'd be like, okay, that's believable. I'll buy, I'll mm-hmm. buy it to a point, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe that's how you get Julie Curtis down for two movies because she's like, well, I mean, yeah, I'll do them, but I don't want to like wait and come back. Like if we shoot them all right. as one big movie, I'll, I'm in. Um, and maybe that's how you keep her around for like the one or the two movies. Um, mm-hmm. but. Apparently, this is the the source is trustworthy according to the writer of this article. So, um, and the and the first movie did make two hundred and fifty million worldwide, which for a horror movie is really good. Like that is really yeah. good for the budget they made that film for. So, I mean, could could you see them like releasing a movie at the start of October and then like the second part comes out like right before Halloween? Uh, I mean, I I feel like it is you know a crazy marketing thing that I I think people would go for. Like it seems like a crazy thing I've never heard of you know someone doing but obviously you know it takes someone doing something for the first time before you know it it could potentially catch on i mean i would definitely be down for that it sounds like a weird crazy idea but i mean i would love it if they did that even though again you know wasn't the biggest fan of the last halloween movie but um i that does sound kind of cool to me if if they do it it's seems really hard to imagine that they would though yeah, uh, for anyone who's interested, we did like a ninety-minute plus review of, yeah. <laughs> of Halloween twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um, I don't see it panning out, but I wonder if the temptation for this is the idea. You know, like Avengers, you know, did Infinity War and Endgame, mm-hmm. and they were a year apart, but there was so much buzz. You know, assuming the first one, you know, in this case Halloween two or whatever they call it, assuming that, uh, I expect a subtitle though. I would expect Halloween 
you know, <laughs> revenge or some other. <laughs> um, the shape of October. The shape of October. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I wonder if like Endgame, like you know, Infinity War already got to like the third highest grossing movie of all time or something in mm-hmm. that range, and then Endgame just shattered that like a year later. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if they're thinking if you can strike with the next one when it's like fever pitch and all they have to wait is a month yeah. to get the next part. Um, and just think of all the double features that they'll do in the theater because I mean the first one will still be you know the second movie will still be there when that's the third true, one yeah. comes out if, if that's what they do with it um, yeah and it's like you know the first one made a lot of people and I do think you know reactions were a little mixed with it but I do think a lot of people liked it like I don't think it was like really universally panned um, you know I, I think you know maybe it wasn't super beloved but it definitely had you know it's a share of fans but I mean if you know, enough people liked it and, you know, want to go see this one. And I, obviously, October's Halloween, so people are going to want to see horror movies and Halloween movies anyway. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see it for review, if nothing else. I mean, we're definitely yeah. going to go watch it. I, right. <laughs> like, I feel like we were in the minority, but not, like, a strong minority. Like, I feel like it was, like, 60-40. 60% loved it. Yeah. And then 40% didn't love it. Um, And in some cases, like, yeah. us really didn't like it. And it... You know, it was sort of crowd pleasing, I think, to a casual horror fan. But I think for us, yes, I, I think that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, I think for us, it, it just didn't fill the void. It, it was, it was the direction just wasn't there. Anyway, again, we had a ninety minute plus discussion about this movie in October, yeah. so go check it out. But uh, I mean, e- even like with a movie I don't love or anything, though. Uh, yeah, just the the idea, though. Uh, you know, that is kind of a unique thing releasing two brand new movies like all in the same month that i mean even if it was a movie i wasn't crazy about i probably would still be kind of intrigued to check that out it's definitely uh an experimental idea if they you know and if if it's successful i would be fascinated to see other horror franchises try this or even other genres try this oh yeah you you know it's something that um i i could see like a, a good amount of people trying to emulate in some way or another if it succeeds yeah um I'm, but, I'm uh, it, I, yeah i was gonna say i'm not gonna put money on it definitely happening i'm still i'm skeptical that this yeah. will happen but if it does then it's interesting yeah definitely and yeah it does feel like something though you can only really do with horror movies <laughs> well mm. I, I guess maybe like you know action superhero kind of movies I, I guess could work as well but it doesn't like i don't think it's something you could really do with like a heavy drama or something imagine if you will if you know infinity war came out in like late april early may like it did and then endgame was ready to go in august like imagine mm-hmm. do you think the hype oh, would be yeah. even bigger because it was so close or do you think the year of waiting and anticipating helped it uh, I mean, good question. Uh, I mean, it's hard with those because, you know, there's such a, a huge audience at this point. It's like, you know, uh, hard to think that, you know, there are people be people that wouldn't want to see it. But then also, you know, there might be some people that maybe might wait a little bit as opposed to going opening weekend or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I don't know. That's pretty tough to say. I think my guess would be is that the year probably did help it. But I actually think horror is a different different story mm-hmm. because i think horror movies sure. are big when they come out but i don't think they, they retain the same interest when there's like a horror movie fad so yeah. maybe shortening the gap and um a month may be too close but then it's, it's halloween so they both need to come out in october right for it to yeah for it to work <laughs> unless you want to do something really crazy like he's like okay they're both called halloween but the first one's actually set in like july and it comes out in july <laughs> to, to set up that year's yeah. halloween kind of thing i don't know um <laughs> imagine imagine there was like two friday the 13th in the same year 
and like Paramount made a Friday the Thirteenth for both Friday the Thirteenths. <laughs> yeah, I'd love that for sure. Or imagine like you know if there was a year where we got like two St. Patrick's Days and they <laughs> released two brand new Leprechaun movies. Tim, I think uh, you're confused. Like Tim, I think you're confused <laughs> about St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I don't want the kids leaving this review thinking that there can be two St. Patrick's Days, so I just want to clarify that you only get the one of those. Right. Well, obviously not every year, but it's one of those years where, you know, that happens. Here's an idea. What about a horror movie where, like, the first one's a Christmas movie and the second one's a New Year's movie, and you release them a week apart? Yeah, <laughs> I'd be know. down for that. A lot of interesting stuff, though, like you know what happens if the first movie like bombs really hard like it, that, that's gonna be it's super too late. scary yeah it, it, it's too late to change anything or, or like pull out at that point point. and even if it even if they were a year apart like they might end up changing it to or like other movies have done in the past if you've already shot the entire second movie then like it's actually even if it's going to do like nothing compared to what you expected it's still going to be worse to just not release it so you're still going to put it out there it's already done so arguably yeah at least you get you're pulling the band-aid off like quicker yeah. if, you know if the first one bombs um and, you know one of the weirdest things too will be is uh if you're you go to the movie and as you're sitting down you see a trailer for the sequel before you've even seen the movie <laughs> I, I feel i feel like what you do there is that you just have one trailer for both and you, you, cause you know, sense. and yeah. you just sort of sell it as a two-part thing where you have to go twice. Um, mm. I feel like if you, yeah, that would be weird. If like maybe like, like after like let's say they're like almost a full month apart. Let's say one's one's October first and the other one's like October 29th, just for right before mm -hmm. Halloween, right? I'd yeah. say maybe on like the twentieth, you do like a trailer just for the second one and just release that sort of last for the last week, sure. and maybe mm -hmm. do that. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, that'd be weird. Oh. <laughs> Uh, this may end up being complete bullshit, but it was an interesting topic, mm. if nothing else. So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, so we got a couple of trailers uh, to talk about before we get oh. to the movie. <laughs> I always forget about those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we'll start with they're both remakes. Uh, we'll start with mm. the remake of Jacob's Ladder, uh, mm -hmm. which which came out. This is uh, director David M. Rosenthal's uh, remake of it, uh, uh, Vertical Entertainment, coming out in summer. Uh, original film was nineteen ninety. Now, I've seen the original, it was a long time ago, but I do remember the twist, which I will not say for obviously mm -hmm. spoiler reasons. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, we, you know, we, we got a cast here Mike, Michael uh, Ely, uh, Jesse Williams, who was in The Cabin in the Woods. Oh, okay. I wonder which one she was in The Cabin in the Woods. Uh, we also mm -hmm. have uh, Nicole uh, Beher and Carla Souza. So, that's the cast. Um, oh, the writer of The Prodigy. And the Pet Cemetery <laughs> remake is the writer oh. of this. Oh dear. Hey, yikes. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> okay. so we watched the trailer. We watched these trailers before we, we came on uh, to record. What, what did you think of the trailer? Uh, well, first of all, uh, similar to you, uh, I have seen the original, uh, but it's been so long. I really can't remember much other than the twist. Yeah. Um, I actually do want to rewatch it. Um, I, I don't know if, if it's, uh, are we doing it later in the year, close to the movie or? I mean, yeah, I feel like it makes sense for us to do the, <laughs> okay. the original when this is coming out. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'll probably stay off to watching it until then. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it looks super generic to me. It's yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. There doesn't really look to be uh, obviously like I don't know. Nineteen nineties really not that old, and there isn't really anything about the movie that like. Uh, again, from what I remember, seems like like would be something you would need to remake because you know sometimes like when like I guess the only big reason usually for like a remake, or at least for me, is like you know if there was like you know some something that you some like technical limitation or something at the time that prevented it like being what it could really be. You know what I mean? Like and no, I get like, you. I, also, just just to pick up on a point you made there, where the nineties isn't that mm-hmm. old. You won't feel that way when you realize there's 18 sure. year olds later this year who weren't born when 9-11 happened. You know, we're almost there. We're, sure. We're yeah. almost the adults who weren't born when 9-11 happened being a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, like, what I was kind of trying to say, though, is, like, you know, if you look at, like, a movie from, you know, the 50s or 60s or whatever. Sure, you know, yeah. It feels it, ancient. It, it feels... Yeah. But I, I, I guess so. There's probably some people that look at something from the '90s and feel like there is. Old I, too. It, it, there's, there's, you know, there's teenagers and you know, even early twenty somethings who have never seen a VHS mm-hmm. tape. You know, the, you know, time has moved <laughs> on and it's scary. Uh, so yeah, this, this, this looks super generic to me as well. It looks like like every generic jump, spooky, supernatural scare of mm-hmm. him having visions and seeing things. And don't get me wrong, I vaguely remember that being part of the original, but. Nothing in this trailer made me want to see it, and I'm sure we will see it, whether it's in the theater or at home release, because that's when it's just convenient for us to do it. But um, nothing about it was was enticing to me. Um, it felt like really bland characters. And I'm, I'm, you know, I don't remember the original that well, and I know people really like it. There was, was a big fan base for the original Jacob's Ladder. Um, I don't remember loving it when I saw it. Now I saw it when I was in my late teens, so like it's been a super long time. But I remember not being that weird with what the twist was and feeling like mm-hmm. it would be kind of been there, done that. And maybe that was because I came at it from a later perspective after other movies that had maybe done a similar twist better and, and mm-hmm. things like that. But, um, you know, it ended up being exactly what I thought it was from, like, early on in the movie. Um, so the thought of sitting through this again... Do you know what this reminds me of, actually? It reminds me a lot of the Pet mm-hmm. Cemetery remake. Not in plot or premise mm-hmm. or even how it's handling anything, just in the sense that... The originals of Pet Cemetery and Jacob's Ladder are films that have a reasonable fan base, but I'm not that keen on. And then the, the remake just kind of feels like I'm going to sit through a worse version of that thing I already don't like that much. <laughs> <laughs> again, if I watch Jacob's yeah. Ladder again, I might change my mind. It might actually hold mm-hmm. up better than I, I remember, but at least mm-hmm. right now I'm not like super enthusiastic about it. You know, the thing that's kind of weird about it too is like I, I feel like at least with Pet Cemetery. Uh, you know, even like casual people, uh, you know, knew about it. So, you know, they might have some name recognition and stuff there. But like with Jacob's Ladder, like obviously like film people know about it, but I don't think like, you know, casual everyday people are, you know, as aware of it or have seen yeah. it or whatever. Like, like, I, I don't know. I feel like especially if it's not like, you know, like a, a big movie with like, you know, a lot of big stars or something like, you know, it feels like it's, you're not really going to at least get, a lot of the audience of like the people that are you know seeing out of curiosity or whatever you've got tim robbins who you know i mean i think for most people he's the guy from shawshank now right and this was pre-shawshank yeah um Mm -hmm. i think the way i would describe you because i think jacob's ladder is kind of popular amongst a lot of like movie people but here yeah and i might be off often what i'm saying here but the impression i get is that jacob's ladder was to 1990 what donnie darko was to like 2001 (laughs) 
Okay, I can see that. That's the impression I get from Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> is it's, 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 it's the and again, I don't want to like offend anyone here who loves the movie. It might be better than I remember, but I'm not a big fan of Donnie Darko. And Donnie Darko mm-hmm. to me is the movie that is the kind of like the the hipster movie where it's it, like mm-hmm. I, I like movies that are way more art house than Donnie Darko, and that's kind of my problem with Donnie Darko is that some people are like oh I love Donnie Darko, I'm, I'm into art house cinema because I like Donnie Darko, and it's like, not that good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like, you want some art house? Like, I'll give you a list of art house you can go watch and sink your teeth into. Uh, like, and I, I get that impression with Jacob's Ladder. I get the same kind of vibe from it. I uh, I used to love Donnie Darko, and like, I'm afraid to go back and watch it now because it's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just scared if I watch it, I'm gonna like, just feel like I wasted so much time like, <laughs> you know, talking about it in high school, like. I've only seen it the it's once, a... and it wasn't like when it first came out. It was like you know years and years later. Yeah. Um, I don't remember it very well. So by then you'd probably had like at least like a couple of years of people being like, "What? You've never seen Donnie Darko?" Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember uh, I went to college with a guy who was a big fan of uh, not the next movie the director did, but the one after, the one with the Rock and Sarah Michelle Gellar, who of course was on the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Southland Tales. Oh and... god, <laughs> yeah like that was hilarious mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was a complete hilarious mess yeah. but um but it makes me yeah not a good movie yeah it makes me think that like yeah i, I wonder if like whatever's good about donnie's dark will just kind of like was stumbled into um you know yeah. jake you got a good cast in the movie i'll give it that like you know jake gyllenhaal maggie gyllenhaal um you know i think patrick swayze was in there if i remember right like you know oh yeah yeah you know hold whole, whole uh, uh what's her face drew barrymore isn't it? Oh, was she? Yeah, she's a uh, the teacher, I believe. Ah, she yeah. went from but she went from being one of the high schoolers in Scream in nineteen ninety six to being a teacher in two thousand like one. <laughs> I think I think Donnie Darko was two thousand one. Uh, yeah. It was around then, if it wasn't that exact year. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a quick turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you think about that in real world context, she somehow finished both college <laughs> and the extra teaching like year whatever you have to do, and then got yeah. a job in a classroom. In five years, <laughs> and not even that because I don't even think she was a senior in Scream. Maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I never thought about it that way. But yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, obviously I'm making fun. It's not a big deal. You know, actors like fake their ages up and down all the time. Obviously. But yeah, I'm yeah. just, I'm just in the context of her playing a high schooler only five years before. <laughs> it's like as soon as as soon as the, we we can't buy her as a high school, it's like well she's an old person now, so old yeah. person role, <laughs> Hollywood in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the Jacob's Ladder trailer. We're not super pumped, I guess. Um, but we got another remake trailer. Um, and if people want to like uh, comment on trailers, and not old trailers, like uh, people have done this when I've done streams before. If there's any horror trailers from the last seven days at the time of this going up that you think we missed that are worth watching, I won't promise you that we'll do them. But if you comment mm-hmm. on the video with links to them, um, we will consider talking about them on the next mm-hmm. news section. Um, oh pete you're just begging to be rickrolled <laughs> <laughs> you are an old man no that, that died out years ago <laughs> even even when it comes to internet memes you're an old man jesus i love the idea as well that you just discovered the rickroll like the last year like you just like came across that as like oh i found this new hip thing the kids are doing the rickroll i mean not the last year but i did i definitely did like know about it like way too late <laughs> <laughs> all right so the other trailer we're going to talk about the last thing we talk about before the movie is uh, the trailer for the remake of rabid 
uh, which is directed by the Soska sisters, or the Soska sisters, however you pronounce their last name, um, who of course did American Mary and um, some other stuff. Uh, but so uh, we actually did the, the original, didn't we, uh, for Oktoberthon either last yep. year or the year before, uh, the David Cronenberg film, um, which was a Canadian film, and is this this woman who gets uh, reconstructive sort of this experimental reconstruction surgery <laughs> after a, a motorcycling accident, mm-hmm. and she becomes well rabid and spreads a disease mm-hmm. uh, after she she has this like thirst for human blood and meat. Um, and this film seems to follow the same plot, uh, give or take. Um, my question though, Tim, is uh, how did you feel about this? And before you answer, let me just add, um, I hope you hated this and think it looks terrible because that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I will say uh, I do like the uh, Suska sisters or, yeah, how do you say their last name? But uh, uh, yeah, like I liked American Mary. Um, they did... Uh, <sighs> one of those weird like uh wwe horror films like a sequel to it like uh which which is funny actually because out of nowhere in the middle of this trailer cm punk oh, yeah. has a small part <laughs> and i actually went back like five seconds i was like was that cm punk and i went back and I was like, it is cm punk that's what he's been doing <laughs> i don't know anything about wrestling but i instantly thought of like oh matt i wonder yeah. if matt has an interest in this movie but i mean i mean that aside though this just um this just looks cheap like it is does. this supposed to be in theaters it looks cheap as shit i have to imagine it's not like it looks like something that would be on like canadian public access i mean it's it's premiering at freight fest so it's getting at least a festival screening but Mm -hmm. um it does not look good yeah i I mean and i hate to judge because obviously it's leagues better than like anything i could do but yeah it just doesn't look like movie quality (laughs) i hate to say it um you know the acting feels really rough uh you know the original by cronenberg and it's a cronenberg movie so i suppose it would but it has a it's oozing in style it has this really sort of morbidly curious like sexual tone to it this yeah. feels like you know it doesn't even look as like I, I mean i'm sure that it'll have more bite to it no pun intended than say a cw <laughs> show but it looks lower production value than a cw show it looks like yeah. uh you know a directed video horror movie from you know these days where everything's shot digitally mm-hmm. and has that really cheap digital look to it um and now I, I could get over that if the content within it looked good. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. But like I say, the, the acting seemed kind of poor. Uh, like the the plot seems so similar to to what the original was that mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what the point is. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it just it feels so uninspired and kind of pointless. I the you know and, and I laugh towards the end because you see like a, the scene where she's getting surgery and for some reason all the surgeons are wearing like red satin robes <laughs> it was weird it's like no we're, we're not surgeons we're a cult yeah, we're uh handmaidens or whatever handmaid you handmaid's tale is that a handmaid's tale reference did you you've totally sure. not seen the show because i feel it feels like a really weird reference to be making oh, I, know, I know they wear red in the show they do they do they also wear uh their white headdress things as well because they're not allowed to look at things so they have this like sort of vision sort of um, tone <laughs> called wings interesting um, okay <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty great show actually uh, especially mm-hmm. season one it was really really great but anyway uh, it, yeah it just uh, I mean again it, it just seems so pointless like I don't uh, I mean I'm not necessarily anti remake but if you are gonna remake something like you gotta especially like you know something from like a 
you know, like a, I don't know if I, like, I necessarily wouldn't say like Rabbit is like a classic horror movie, but it certainly comes from, you know, a very, you know, prestigious classic director. Like, you know, uh, so if you're going to do something like from going to remake a Cronenberg movie, like you really got to bring your A game and like make it like give us a reason why this is worth watching, <laughs> you know, and yep. it really didn't look like there's anything in the trailer. I just read actually that uh, not only is CM Punk in it, his wife, who's also a wrestler, uh, who used to be oh. used to go by AJ Lee, but she's actually AJ Mendez. She's also in it. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a couple like oh, let's go and get some small parts in this movie. Uh, I never yeah, noticed okay. her in the trailer, but I wasn't looking for it. I, I just happened to like catch his face um, at one point. Uh, Laura Vandervoet, if that's how you say her name, uh, from Smallville, and I'm sure she was in something more recently, but she, she was Supergirl in Smallville. Um, oh, once upon okay. a time, she she's the lead. Um, yeah, I just, <laughs> I yeah, I, I I'm really getting nothing from like absolutely nothing from it. So I mean, and this it, like the, this can't be in theaters, right? Like, like I say, it, festival it, uh, screenings, but okay. I don't, I don't it doesn't mention if it's a uh, does it have a this, release date? Because uh, I just can't imagine <laughs> this being shown in like theaters. It's World Crazy. premiere at Freight Fest in August. Let me click on that link and see if this article has like a public release date on it. This year's five-day fearathon includes twenty world blah blah blah, twenty international, European, and twenty-eight UK premieres. It doesn't seem like it has a public release date yet. Because again, it just really looks like you know, straight to video quality, which you know, again, necessarily isn't a bad thing, but, um, I, I would just be very surprised. Like, cause I actually, I thought this was supposed to be a bigger movie. Um, and again, maybe, maybe just think, you know, since it's a remake of like, a you know, from a pretty well-known director and stuff, I thought maybe it's going to be more of a big deal, but yeah, it just looks so underwhelming. It's a shame. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's a shame cause the Saucer sisters, like they seem likable and I thought American Mary yeah. was, was pretty decent. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, every time like I, I, like I never saw uh, was it Dead Hooker in a Trunk was maybe their first movie. Uh, yeah, I heard about that. I never seen it either. I remember. I think I saw the trailer and thought it looked quite cheap as well. Which again, cheap's mm-hmm. not necessarily like a be-all, especially for a horror movie. Like, you can make good cheap horror yeah. movies, but um, I feel like films that are that cheap now don't work quite as well as what cheap movies did back in the day. And I, 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 sure. I, I and part of it, like I mean, obviously acting's a big thing, but. And the quality of the writing and directing, but I think a big part of it, bizarrely, is just that cheap stuff now is shot in cheap digital, like you know, cameras, yeah. as opposed to at least back in the day, they'd still shoot in film, so it would still look like a movie usually. Yeah, and then like you know, there's there's other like you know, cheap stuff we watch that still looks like a lot you know better, like yeah. uh the the one we did earlier this year, Headhunter or whatever, that was like you know like super Tim, Tim, low budget you, but you mean good. you mean the one we're doing soon headhunter oh it hasn't come out yet, <laughs> hasn't come okay. out yet. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sure when we watch it it'll it'll, it'll look, look good for its budget better. yes it'll look good for yeah. its ridiculous budget yes yes i agree <laughs> it's funny how sometimes we can tell the future that way yeah <laughs> 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 Alright, that was that was the news I cherry-picked this week. I, the, the point of the news isn't necessarily to like, get every piece of news in the week, but, um, you know, 
I, I think those all lend lended themselves to interesting conversation. Uh, mm. So you know, uh, we'll be back next week with more news. But without mm. further ado, we'll get in to our main event for the week, which is talking about Midsummer. Yes. So this is this is. <sighs> How do you start this? Because obviously we'll start spoiler free. I should, I should probably say that first. We'll start mm-hmm. spoiler free. We'll warn you before mm-hmm. we go into the, into the spoiler section somewhere in the middle. Um, Midsummer is the, the movie from uh, Ari Aster, who directed Hereditary, which just came out last year. So yeah, pretty quick turnaround. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and this, this is one because we talk about trailers on like various shows on this. You know, it used to be trailer talk, but now I do it in the streams. And you know, now I'm doing the horror trailers on here with you. Which I mean, we just started that this episode, but. Like, I typically don't really get surprised in the movie theater that often because I've usually seen all the trailers already. You know, I, I don't, it's very rarely that I go in and see something. I'm like, oh, what's this? And then it'll like be like, oh, right. I had not seen this trailer when it appeared for me, uh, you know, whatever I saw like four months ago. Um, mm-hmm. And it came up, you know, it was this bright movie. It was almost hurting my eyes because like, every shot was like <laughs> super like white and bright. And it came up saying Ari Aster, the director of Hereditary. And I'm like, go on <laughs> like, what's this what's this movie movie going theater place and you know it's this really weird trailer is this this i mean the, the pitch for me of this like forgetting the plot forgetting what it's about is just it's a horror movie that's in a bright summer day the entire time almost i mean yeah. you know there's one or two night scenes but it's otherwise in a bright summer's day and it makes yep. that be tense is the pitch of the trailer to me um, oh yeah and that's like a you know like something I, i've been uh yeah i've talked about like a lot uh before in the past where uh i, I really like when people try to do something like this because it you know it's very easy to make things like creepy in the dark you know like when you know when stuff is dark and uh you know you can't really see as well you know there's a, a lot of easy you know ways to make that stuff kind of spooky but yeah, to have like so much like uh you know fear and tension and stuff when you know in this nice bright sunny like atmosphere is uh really impressive. I can't remember what I'm about to say came from exactly, but I I really like this. I think it was actually just a quote from a comic, and it was like Batman talking to Superman, right? But I, I, like just mm-hmm. I think this goes into what we're talking about here with like a, a daytime horror movie that's if it's done well, is the idea that Batman's scary because he's the thing in the shadows, right? He's the thing at nighttime that might come out and get you because you're doing something bad. And mm-hmm. I don't remember what issue this came from, but it was a conversation between him and Superman where Batman explained to Superman that Superman also had an element of fear, even if he doesn't realize it. And the way he explained it was, is like, yeah, they're, they're scared of me in the dark that I might be there and, you know, like be there to get them when they're doing bad things. But they're scared of you in the daylight because you illuminate everything. Like, no matter what they do, you can always see and hear them. The idea that in broad daylight, they're exposed and the oh. things are being learned about them you know everyone can see them and see exactly what they're doing and with the superman's case it's just him because he's got the x-ray vision and the super hearing yeah. and whatnot but the idea being that the, the daylight in a horror movie it could be scary because it's exposing things you don't want exposed it's a different type of tension oh, sure, yeah. you know yeah uh so yeah that, that was kind of you know so anyway the premise the premise of <laughs> midsummer uh I, I don't know if i'm supposed to pronounce it differently because it's got the ar at the end because it's you know swedish uh, yeah midsummer I, I, I've, <laughs> I've just been saying midsummer because it's just yeah. <laughs> easier but yeah I'm, I'm sure maybe the technical is, is summer but yeah, yeah midsummer <laughs> I, I can't do a, a an accent I, I could try a swedish accent but it's not going to happen <laughs> uh so the premise of Midsummer is that we have our main character, played by Florence Pugh, who is one of those actresses who's just popped up a lot in the last year or two. You know, I saw her in 
the mini series that BBC did with Chanwick Park. Uh, uh, the, the, oh, I can't remember what it was called. The girl who sure. danced or something. <laughs> the girl. It was, a, it was a spy drama set in the, the 60s or 70s. Oh. Um, but it was directed by Chanwick Park, which is why I was excited mm-hmm. for it. But Oh, cool. But it, it, I didn't like it, so it was it was oh. dull spy <laughs> shit. But she was in that, right. and then she popped up in that really mediocre Netflix horror movie, Malevolent. She was in that wrestling uh, film oh. recently with The Rock, uh, Fighting With My Family. Yeah, what was funny is I actually watched that on the plane when oh. I was uh, flying home, and then I watched this. So I probably saw him about a, a week apart, mm. and I did not even know it was the same person. Like, I... Uh, like my wife told me later, like, oh yeah, she was the same one that was in that movie. I was like, really? <laughs> I didn't even realize. I think it's because uh, in Fight with My Family, she does look different because they've got her made up to look like the wrestler she was playing. Yeah, uh, she's got like, the darker hair and yeah. And she's doing an accent, which I didn't even realize that. You know, watching this, I didn't realize that she. I, I'm assuming she's British. Yeah, she's uh, English. But, yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, but you know, in this, I, I didn't even uh, realize that at all. Um, if I. Seeing, uh, this is maybe asking too much to ask if you remember anything about Malevolent, but if I recall correctly, that was set in England, but she was still doing an American accent. She was meant to be like a foreign exchange, well, not foreign exchange. I don't know if you call it that, but it's just an American in, in UK, but <laughs> like, you know, she, she was yeah. a foreign student. Um, yeah, I could not for the life of me remember that. <laughs> but, I, but I think she had like British like family, because I remember having like a thought. But anyway, I remember thinking it was okay. weird that they've got a British actress doing an American accent, even though the movie's set in yeah. Britain, but whatever. <laughs> um yeah so she's do- she, yeah she's doing uh an accent here uh so it's her she plays danny and she's with a boyfriend named christian who's played by jack rayner and they also chidi from uh uh good place the good place is in here as well mm-hmm. um it's what's funny is i think of him as being this intellectual guy who's already a teacher but and this he's a college student still like going for his phd yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, take that, Drew Barrymore. He can do both at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, right. So, so basically, there's a tragedy at the start. I won't. I won't get into that until we get to spoilers too much. I don't mm-hmm. think. But there's a tragedy in her family. So even though he was going to break up with her, he was kind of like wanting out the relationship because she goes through this tragedy in her family. He's kind of locked into this relationship because she's in this really emotional place, and because of that, uh, she ends up tagging along to this trip they plan to Sweden. And it's because Chidi, whose name is actually uh, Josh. Josh. Yeah, Josh sounds right. Yeah, Mark was a dick. <laughs> this is the other yeah. guy. Um, Josh. Josh uh, is going to do his thesis for his for his final year um, on this culture, right? So, and they've got like a Swedish friend who goes to college. who's going to take them all to his like little commune that does this celebration. Uh, that happens apparently once every ninety years, although. Some there was some contradicting information I thought in the movie as to how often this was. They they said that once or twice, but I was like, but it also at one point he also says this was last year's May Queen, and I'm like, so it happens every year then. <laughs> mm, I didn't catch that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe only parts of it are every ninety years. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, so she ends up tagging along to this thing in Sweden, and you know, so we end up with this little commune. There's, like, there's a couple of buildings, these you know old timey huts and you know mm. barns and whatnot, and they're all out there in their white, you know gowns and and whatnot and they basically are there to experience the the nine day festival where they go through all these various rituals but of course things get a little bit creepy and mm-hmm. you know are they in danger while they're there um meanwhile you know danny and christian the entire time are having 
clearly the, clearly you know, the relationship should have ended a long time ago but they're in this place where they're both kind of sticking it out mm-hmm. and a, a lot of the, the character human drama comes from that uh, and we'll dive into that as well um so i don't want to say any more because i feel like any more would be spoiler territory so we'll just keep it there and i shall ask the question tim did you enjoy midsummer uh, i did i liked it a lot um you know I, obviously yeah, i was a big big fan of hereditary and you know ariaster clearly you know, can direct uh and i think i probably liked hereditary a little better but i still think this was like a really good movie um uh, again, uh, you know, he's doing something, you know, really different with it. Like, you know, I like that, you know, it is so bright, um, but uh, similar, like, obviously, you know, the plot and everything is very different, but similar to like Hereditary, a lot of, you know, the uh, what the movie does best is just how it like builds like tension and stuff like it's again, uh, you know, it's a very different type of tension than, you know, Hereditary was, but there's still like some just really like awkward tense moments in there to just like kind of go up your spine and it's like ooh, uh like i wish that person hadn't said that or like oh that's gonna like cause trouble or whatever but uh i yeah i mean i, I heard some people kind of complain about the length of the movie um as long I really... it's it's basically it's just shy of two and a half hours uh including yeah. credits which uh i i didn't really mind it though because I, I i mean i guess maybe since you know he's such like a good director like you know even if you know, you know there are scenes that it is definitely like a little bit of a slow burn there are scenes that are very long and might drag to some people but yeah i think he does it so well i don't really mind like when you're looking at stuff that's so uh you know good looking or you know the acting's so great uh i'm all for the ride baby <laughs> joe, joe joe is so funny is that when i i because I, I asked that same question on on the ace the atomic mm-hmm. cinema experiment podcast that i do with tara uh, which is a sci-fi it's, it's just like this show but we do sci-fi movies right mm-hmm. And I do the same thing where I say the plot and I ask, did, did you like the movie? And my criticism of Tara when I ask that question is that she gives like three words of an answer and then just asks me <laughs> if I liked it as well. You're the opposite problem where you go on for like five minutes without shutting up. I feel like there's a happy middle ground between you that I would really like you both to hit. And I'm not sure how to inspire it in both of you, but... I shall continue to try. Um, I, I also you bring this criticism up on the air. You got to save this for our yearly performance <laughs> reviews. The performance reviews, of course, of course. Yeah. Oh, I've already written yours, Tim. Um, <laughs> scheduling honeymoons at the worst possible time of the year is going to be number one on that itinerary. Um, hey, I still manage to see all the movies. <laughs> <laughs> in my defense, in my defense, Tim, Tim told me before you went, I'll keep you posted when I see certain movies, right? So that you'll know to see them so we can do them when you get back. Um, so I was like, okay, I won't go see it until Tim tells me. And Tim told me, like, I don't know how, how long it had been since he'd seen Child's Play when he messaged me saying, hey, by the way, I saw Child's Play. <laughs> by that time, my theater was already down to one showing a night. And it was exactly the same time that I always record with, uh, with Connor. So I couldn't go and see it at that point. So I'm blaming Tim for leaving it too long to tell me what <laughs> it's your fault well, just reschedule with connor or just go to that dang midnight movie is the day you told me uh, that and i checked the times went oh that shit it's only this one late showing i can't go because that's my record with connor that night connor fell asleep and we didn't get anything done <laughs> and if i had known that he was going to fall asleep i could have went and seen the movie but you know guilt-free but 
sod's law. Oh. Uh, oh, so well. <laughs> to finally get to my opinion, mm-hmm. arguably the 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 more important <laughs> of the two. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, I I also liked uh, uh, Midsummer. I I like it a lot. Oof. I think I might like it a little more overall than Hereditary. Interesting. Okay. Um, right. you know, I think Hereditary might have the strongest section of the two films. I think that middle mm-hmm. section in Hereditary is like Jesus Christ, that is a masterclass. <laughs> this yeah. movie is well directed through. I think the reason why I like this one a little bit more is that it feels almost more original to me because of what mm-hmm. it's it's doing um because you know because hereditary as much as it does some really great things it's well directed throughout the whole thing ultimately some of it does just kind of feel like okay we're, we're doing these elements of like supernatural plots of you know like you know sure. we've seen elements i'm not saying everything this is original there's definitely callbacks to things like uh, the shining and the wicker man and other things you know there's definitely i'm not saying it's completely original but the idea mm-hmm. that this movie is completely set during the daytime for the most part and it, what it's really about but the, the, i think the reason why i like it a little bit more is that when I came out of Hereditary, I felt like it was great. The middle section was amazing. And then the last third was well-directed, but got a little bit more generic in what it was doing with the plot. Um, mm. And I wasn't necessarily 100% like sure what the... At least not right away what the point of the movie was by the end um, until we talked about it and sort of thought through it. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but uh, this movie, though, like, I, I got exactly what the ending was. I understood it completely when I left the theater. Like, I felt like the story it was telling about the characters, I, I just got. I thought it did a really good job of, even through the horror and through the artsy direction and everything else, I thought it was always very clear what the movie was really about. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's what makes it a little bit better than Hereditary to, to me. Nice, clear story. Fair. So, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, cinematography is fantastic. You know, st- st- stick to some spoiler-free points here. Uh, the movie looks gorgeous. Yeah, like, um, with, like uh, easily, yeah, some of the you know like best things you can say and i guess maybe where you know his strength really as a director is just everything is you know it looks beautiful you know the music's great the acting's great like he just really knows how to you know compose like every element of a film yeah very very surreal in places um you know i mentioned the shining earlier uh, the thing that made me think of that was actually the, the trip to the, the the commune it was all these mm-hmm. overhead shots of the countryside roads yeah it, it reminded true, yeah. me of the the opening of the shining um, I really got that vibe from it. Um, yeah, I didn't make that connection, but I can actually see how yeah those would yeah. be related. Um, and I think you can maybe argue as well the idea that they go to this like re- even though there's other people there, they go to this remote mm-hmm. place and they're altered mm-hmm. by it to an extent. You know, like yeah. <laughs> um, instead of just being like ghosts that are prodding at the characters, it's just literal people, I guess. But um, yeah. not not that this is about you know one of them turning into an axe murderer by the end. That's not the plot of the movie, but. <laughs> Yeah, you know, just broad, broadly speaking. Uh, so no, I like that. I thought the cast were were pretty. I think Fl- Florence Pugh, despite you know being in a couple of rough things for me, um, there's a reason why she's very quickly becoming this regular face that I'm seeing in a lot of things because she's oh yeah, she's very solid at what she does. Yeah. Um, this movie especially, I think she does a great job uh, from like shifting between various moods and. Uh, p- playing her role in the relationship especially and her reactions to what Christian does uh, to, to a T. So, yeah. Yeah, like yeah can, definitely. Uh, what's that? You can make some points, Tim. Go on, you bring out some positives. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I was just going to agree with that, that. She's great in it. And, um, yeah, again, just the the tension and stuff that's built, uh, you know, especially like between those characters. So many instances where 
you know, sometimes like they're not even talking. They'll just like exchange a look or whatever, or like wait a beat before saying something that just is like so cringeworthy. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like it makes you squirm just like, uh, it, and it's one of those things where it's like as watching it as an audience, you know, like, oh, like, why are you doing this? That's like the wrong thing to say or the wrong way to act. But at the same time, it feels so real. Like, you know, even if you haven't been in, you know, a situation like this, like it, you know, you can definitely kind of relate to, you know, how the characters are reacting and, you know, how they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. But, you know, it never feels like over the top or cliche or something like there's a very real like quality to it which is uh, again just really amps like uh the horror intention of it yeah and then you know that's it uh downplay jack rayner who plays christian because he all right he, he does a very good job he's of... a brother to uh kyle i believe do you know what the bad part about that joke is? I feel like the percentage of people listening to this who are comic book fans who will know who Kyle Rayner is is pretty slim. Uh, he's a Green Lantern for anyone who's not aware. One of the one of the things I read uh, while I was on vacation, I got a lot of reading done like between planes and stuff, but uh, I, I had like the the first volume of the you know Green Lantern uh, Kyle was it uh, Kyle Rayner stuff. Sure. Oh, interesting. I, which I never like. Obviously, I know who he is, but I never read you know that kind of first issues where he you know first started appearing and popping up so interesting stuff i have that trade on comicsology i'm not ready yeah. yet though uh also i love that tim was just clearly ignoring his wife this whole trip just reading books and stuff well, and, that, I mean, poor when, woman, when, when you, that poor woman <laughs> when you're on planes and if you can't sleep at night <laughs> you gotta do something mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say this, you know, when she's inviting you to a Swedish colony, I'm just going to say, don't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm for it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be the May Queen. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think he's he does a good job of being uh, basically this guy who, like, he, he's very... He's very frustrating, and he's kind of a douchebag, but he's he's a douchebag in this really kind of normal way that makes him yeah. a, like like relatable, but also more frustrating because he's he's kind of everything that's wrong in a relationship like this. <laughs> and oh yeah, definitely. Like he he feels like a person that feels very like a like a good catch on the surface, but it's one of those things where like the more time you spend with him, the more you realize like you know how selfish and uncaring you know he is yeah and uh and it's one of those things where like you're kind of mentioning earlier like um it, it kind of feels like neither one really wants to be in the relationship but like neither one can re- you know really uh admit it <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely weird towards one side and the other though i think oh, um, oh without a doubt yeah, yeah but um so yeah, um, do we just go to spoilers now? Is there anything else we want to talk about? Uh, music or, um, uh, I mean, nothing in, in particular. Again, like it is all, you know, really good. And then, uh, you know, again, it is a a long movie, and like you know, so there is, um, you know, and there's like a lot of like uh, you could say maybe the more art house stuff in between. But then uh, again, you know, similar to, well, actually, maybe not similar to Hereditary Mate because it's a little different. But like when it does get to the horrific parts, again, those are really really done super well the, yeah, like the, uh, I'd, I'd describe them as very harsh punctuation on the on the rest of the movie yeah and and also actually uh i'd say some surprisingly funny 
parts in the movie. Like, you know, it's not a comedy in no, any sure. stretch of the imagination, but there's definitely like parts where I laughed out loud and, at it. And I th- and to be fair, I think they're intentionally funny. Oh yeah, definitely. I yeah, uh, I've heard people say that they kind of feel like you know Ariaster has like like a super 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 dark sense of humor, which I think you can definitely like glean that from his movies. Uh, again, I don't think you'd call any of his movies comedies, but there are like you know these weird little uh, you know moments of laughter. In yeah, them. no, I I think there's some intentional laughter in there, and that, that that's okay. Uh, I guess what I'd say before we go to spoilers is that it's a very slow burn, um, very very well directed uh film which i would describe as like you know really tense like rather than scary and i think it's full of awkward social situations and obviously the impending of idea of what's around them and what's maybe going to happen um but it gets kind of surreal and it pays off in really big way but it is a slow burn it's a long movie it's a slow burn Mm -hmm. and i've said slow burn like five times i apologize (laughs) but it's definitely that type of movie like i feel like I feel like, you know, it's, it's like if you like The Witch or something like that. Like, it's not the exact same sort of movie, but I definitely say that if, if your temperament was of, oh, I like how much of a how much of a, a, a dread-building kind of movie The Witch was, yeah. this is kind of, you know, in that sort of idea, that vein. Yeah, and, like, even even with it being, like, a slow burn, like, if you're into it, like, you really don't feel the, the time at all. Like, you know, no. by the time it was done, like, I... I, honestly, I didn't think like I knew it was long, but if you would have asked me like when I left the theater, I probably would have been like I don't know maybe like two hours or something. But I was actually surprised when like I looked at my clock and I was like, oh no, that was a lot longer than I thought. But yeah, I just was really uh, you know into it that you don't notice the time, or if you do, you don't care. Yeah, I almost wish I didn't know what the runtime was before I saw it because when I saw the runtime, I'm like, oh, <laughs> two and a half hours. <laughs> oh. But speaking of like, speaking no, no, not Peter like Peter worried because horror movies aren't usually that long. Um, but uh, no, Ari asked in an interview. He was asked about like because apparently the original cut came in at three hours and forty five minutes. <laughs> Jeez. And he he said that that's not a director's cut. That was definitely something he had to trim down. He didn't he didn't feel that that version worked. But he did say that there was, okay. there was a two hours forty five minutes each cut, like about twenty twenty five minutes longer. That he may mm-hmm. actually put out as a director's cut, and it maybe not call oh. it that because he, he he does think the the version that's out is something he's approved of. It's something he's happy with. But yeah. there is like maybe twenty minutes of scenes that he you know he was hurt to cut for you know for whatever reason, yeah. and he'd be interested in people seeing that version. So we could get a longer cut that's about twenty twenty five minutes longer. Yeah. Um, at I, some point, I wish we could cut movies. <laughs> Like, okay. imagine they just started putting out movies with, like, the Tim and Peter cut. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's some movies that I, I would happily chop up things a little bit from, you know, fix yeah. some pacing issues, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, I don't know, I remember years People ago... People should start asking just random uh, movie studios to release the, <laughs> the Tim and Peter cut. I remember years ago there was a, a obviously this was bootleg because oh copyright's a thing but there was like a Batman and Robin uh, cut down to just like make it good version and it basically okay. cut out all the joke it was only like fifty five minutes long out of two hours and it was like cutting out all the goofy shit all the jokes and it was just like boom 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 like plot point <laughs> plot point plot point because obviously it's like super sped up but um, so things like that do happen and let's not even mention the stupid like. Uh, Star Wars, Last Jedi, like you know the the mm-hmm. misogynist that's cut all oh, the women yeah, yeah. Uh, version because yeah. that's worth spending. <laughs> at, at least with the Batman and Robin, I I get the joke. 
Like, yeah. you know, can can we cut out all the stupid shit and make it somewhat, you know, worthwhile to watch? Probably yeah. not. It's still, it's still, you know, goofy costumes and <laughs> shit, but... Um, so, yeah. So, spoilers. Let's do spoilers. Let's do spoilers for Hereditary. Uh, no, so I keep doing that. Midsummer. Let's do spoilers for Midsummer. <laughs> so, the movie... Oh, and I feel like we have to start with the opening of the movie, because I actually thought that the opening 10, 15 minutes were really good. Uh, yeah. You know, we we have we open with uh, Danny being worried because she's had a a really ominous email from her sister that sounds very suicidal. It sounds like you know I'm going into the black and I'm taking mom and dad with me. It sounds sinister. And we find out that she's got bipolar disorder and she's she's on the phone. She she phones uh, Christian, her boyfriend, um, and she's like, oh, you know what you what you doing kind of thing and. He's like, oh, you know, pizza, you know, the guys for some pizza. Um, and what are you doing? And then she brings up the email and he's like, oh, we talked about this. She's, I mean, you know, she, she's probably, you know, she's bipolar. She always puts you through this. Don't think anything of it. Which, you know, given where the relationship goes, it immediately, you know, immediately, yeah, of course that's his attitude because that's his attitude with her is, oh, just ignore it and be, you know, be fine. Yeah. Just don't, yeah. yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, and, you know, he kind of talks her down a little bit. And then we have a scene with you know the, the the guys at the pizza place, and they're just whining at him mm-hmm. because you know he wants to dump her clearly, and he's not got around to it. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. she's going through a lot. I can't do that. And you know, Mark's like a complete dick when she phones him, and he you know he's like, no, I need to answer this, and he goes out, and then she's just wailing over the phone at him, and that's when we cut yeah. to the house where her sister lives with her with her parents, and her sister's committed suicide. Uh, by turning, you know, to get you know, basically by exhaust fumes and trap them in the house, and they're all dead. Um, and it's this super, you know, this was probably the most hereditary like scene in the movie. Was this like yeah. going through the house and seeing like the firemen like go through the building and like just see all the dead people uh, kicking about? Uh, but I thought, I thought that the tension of her thinking something was wrong and not being able to like you know get it out of her head, and then it turning out to be real, felt very like I think. We've probably all been in a position where nothing bad has necessarily happened, but we've all been in a position where we don't hear from someone for a while and we're, we start to worry that something bad's going wrong. And probably yeah. in much less justifiable circumstances where you just don't hear from someone. Whereas this is like, no, her sister's ill and she mm-hmm. sends this message that's super, you know, ominous. Yeah. Makes sense. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, what's great are like these touches. Um, that again you know the actors do a great job of delivering and like you know i think uh, ari you know does such a good job of you know directing them with where you know i think in other movies it would be so easy to kind of have the over the top bad boyfriend where like you know the girlfriend's like hey can you help me out and they're like can't do it babe sorry but you know but instead you know everything feels very like you know there's like a lot of pauses and you can kind of tell it's like you know that he you know, he obviously doesn't want to, you know, be dealing with her, but he, you know, he kind of waits a little bit and is like, I mean, do you want me to stop by? Uh, I can. And then, you know, you, you know, she's yeah. kind of like, well, if you can, maybe like, you know, you, if you can really feel like it, they're not really saying a lot, but you're getting so much like kind of like from what they're not saying yeah, to each other. No, that's the beauty of it, Tim, is that opening. So this is before the, the, the deaths even happen. It's just when she's on the phone with them and she wants them to come by later. Um, you get so much of both of these characters out of this conversation. And all it is yeah. is, do you want to come over later? Or are you going to come over later? And he's like, oh, did did, did we make any kind of plans for, for later? Mm-hmm. And she's like, um, well, not concrete plans, but we did talk about it. He's like, well, 
I mean, sure, I, I can, I can come over. Yeah. Um, and it's so good, and it, this infuriated me. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, without a doubt. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm single and I'm just like angry at this <laughs> asshole right now. But I'm like, yeah. what the hell? Come on, <laughs> come on! You're making her beg to spend time with you. Come on, yeah. it, this infuriated the show of me. Um, and so, so immediately I'm on her side. Immediately I hate this asshole, right? And he's not again. He's not like the worst. Like, he clearly doesn't want to be the bad guy, but in turn, yeah. is, in in turn though, because he's trying to pretend he's the nice guy, is actually yeah. being worse. He's being more emotionally abusive than he realizes. Oh, oh I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, like he, it would actually be better if he was like an asshole that was just like you know oh i think we should break up or whatever because yeah just kind of stringing someone along and he even says like when his friends are like and and i don't necessarily think his like friends are bad like because there's a little bit of it's like you know come on man you should break up with her but it does feel like it's coming more from a like yeah you should break up with her because you clearly don't like her (laughs) you know than it is like yeah they they don't really seem to i'd say mark's you know a a bit of a dick about it because he is kind of harsh about it but like to be fair his point says that you don't even like her, you should break up with her and as much as he's been a dick that point is completely valid you clearly aren't in this relationship you don't want to be in it and i think at this point in the movie it's already clear that the healthiest thing he can do for her is to give her a clean break as but much I, as it may yeah. you know break her heart right now because she clearly does lean on him um and and uh, he even says to like um you know which i, I think is uh, again a very asshole thing but you know i do think it is like a thing people do where he's like uh well i don't know like i don't want to break up with her and then regret it like what if i want her back you know which is like super shitty but also again like i think you know a, a reason why a lot of people stay together which uh yeah if, if, yeah, so if mean, you if you're thinking that if you're if you're thinking you want to break up with someone but you don't do it just because you might regret it you probably should break up with them yeah <laughs> if you're thinking about it that heavily no i mean Again, this this is like years into a relationship. I, I mean, I wouldn't say think that if you're only like two dates in and you're not sure if you like them yet. No, keep dating them. Find out if you like them. Like, you're still in the yeah. discovery phase. <laughs> sure. But yeah. let's that, you know we find out later they've been dating for four years, right? Yeah. They have been together for a long ass time. Um, and you know mm. when he finds out about the the death, you know we cut to that. You know after we see the footage of it, like she's just wailing in his arms. And this is when we go to the the, the, the opening titles. You know we go through the window to the snow and it comes up saying you know the Florence Pugh and blah 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 and you know Midsummer. Mm-hmm. and then we cut ahead and you know we heard about the swedish trip obviously from the pizza place scene but um you know he comes in to see her she's having like nightmares about her sister or whatever um and don't think i didn't even though i didn't know it was coming later in the movie i didn't notice the painting of the bear uh heavily featured in this room oh i don't think i noticed that oh there's, <laughs> there's a painting of a bear and a little girl mm-hmm. and um, I looked up afterward. I didn't notice this in the first time, but it's, mm. it's, it's obviously this is very relevant from later in the movie. But the little girl's wearing a crown as she pets this bear. Uh, so okay, I, and I believe, yeah. and I can't claim to have noticed these, but apparently all of the murals and all the the symbolic imagery all basically spells out the plot of the movie, like in the background. I, yeah, I actually was reading about that today, which, yeah, uh, yeah I'd love to. I'll definitely see this again uh, at some point, so I definitely look forward to, you know, be on the lookout for that stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool stuff, but I, I didn't notice the bear. Um, I can't, there's probably other ones as well, but the bear was really in your face. Yeah. Um, it's the sort of thing for, it's not really a great first time watch thing, but on a second watch, all these little things mm-hmm. in the background are like, yeah, let's pay attention yeah. to those. Now you know what's coming. Yeah. Uh, so he wants to go to a party and he's like you know what i mean i'm just gonna go for 45 minutes but like you know i don't have you know if you 
don't want me to. Again, it's all these pauses, it's all these things. And yeah. she's like, no, no, I'll come with you. And he's like, but you've not had any sleep. No, but I wasn't sleeping anyway. Let's just go. And and I was, I got worried. I got like the, the social anxiety that I do with some movies yeah. where I'm like, this is going to be really awkward and bad. I'm not looking forward to this. Uh, and it's a sign of just how well directed this movie is already. I already like, I'm anticipating things and feeling it in my gut. <laughs> You know, and we're you know ten minutes into the movie, we've had like three scenes at this point, and I'm already feeling this way. And they're at the party, and she's just kind of zoned out, and she's standing around in a group, and they're talking. Someone brings up the Swedish trip, and she hears about it, and she turns to Christian, is like, "Trip Sweden's like, yeah, I remember I, I mentioned it. It's like, yeah, but you're going like, yeah, no, I mentioned that. You know, we were talking about it like you know a while ago, and she's like, when is this happening? And again, you're like, oh, Christian, what the what the hell, man? Because he's like, oh, we're going like, you know, uh, mid-July, late-July kind of thing. And Wyland goes, yeah, two weeks' time. And she's like, two, two weeks. And one of the most anger-inducing scenes of this movie, because it cuts away quite quickly from this, uh, after this moment. We just sort of like, we're on her reaction to this. We cut to them getting home at her place. And she says, okay, we need to talk about this. That was kind of weird. And he's like what was what was weird uh the, the party is like uh sweden uh about the fact that you're going on this this and she even mentions a month and a half long trip um yeah. in two weeks time that was brought up at a party and i'm your partner and i didn't know about it and so she, she says multiple times i'm not mad at the idea of you going to sweden with the guys like that's fine like i accept yeah. that like whatever but how how do i not know about this in this scene like i think more than anything it, like paints the uh the the you know the, the relationship between these two characters for the rest of the movie is that he he does say sorry like very quickly and she points out that you know that you know he says sorry like really quickly it doesn't sound like sorry it sounds like deal with it kind of thing yeah um but what infuriated me in this scene is he very quickly you know when she she wants to talk about it, she says I just want to talk about this he says oh look you know like you, you if you're like you know you're like this I think I'm going to go home like I'm going to leave. <laughs> and her demeanor, her demeanor immediately changes from one, and it's not even like she's mad. She's not yelling at him. She just, she, she genuinely yeah. just wants to have a conversation about the fact that she doesn't know because she clearly recognizes it as a red flag. Like, why don't I know about this trip? And of course, we know it's because he was planning dumping her, you know, until her yeah. parents and uh, mother and her sister died. And yeah. he tries to leave, and she immediately has to go into clingy mode. But she's like, no, 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 please don't go. And she like grabs his arm, and she's like, oh, this, please sit, this, please sit. And, and she apologizes to him under no point. <sighs> and, and, and this is the point where I, I saw someone refer to this as gaslight in the movie. And I'm like, <laughs> it kind of is. Like, he kind yeah. of does this where he makes everything her fault, even though mm. she's the one going through shit. Like, it's a burden. It's Here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? If, if someone you care about is going through a rough time, like she clearly is she's on medication her sister was very sick ended up in the deaths of her, both her sister and her parents right mm -hmm. now i get that this like because there is some sympathy to hand for christian where let's say he was about to do the right thing let's say he was about to break up with her right mm -hmm. because he knew that was the right thing to do and then this tragedy happened could you go through with it anytime soon could could you break her heart Oof. right after that I mean, I no, that, that would be very, very tough. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. That core part of his character is sympathetic because I don't know if I could, yeah. right? I don't know if I could because because you would think, okay, she's going to think I'm just doing this because it's too much to take on all of her or 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 pain and our or drama right now, and yeah. you and to some extent, even if you aren't in love with her anymore, 
you at least feel like okay i do i do care about this person i want to at least be like a rock for her for the next while while she's going through this because this is a dick move and those wouldn't be i mean arguably it still might be healthier to break it off with her but at the very least like i understand and sympathize why you might not you might say no i'm going to stick it out for at least another six months to to get her through this rough time because i at least care about her to do that um the problem is the way he handles everything the problem is the way he he's he refuses to talk about any of his feelings he refuses to talk about anything he just awkwardly ums and ahs and like tries to give her an answer that might make her feel better but because of the body language because of the way he says it it doesn't do anything and i'm i'm ranting what do you think about this (laughs) (laughs) well no i i feel the same way yeah it is um it's so again it you you do just want to scream and and it's funny because it's like uh you're feeling some of the things you might feel in a horror movie where you just like you're tense and you want to scream at the characters but it's so different than like you know other horror movies where usually you're screaming at them because they're you know running the wrong way uh, from the killer or, or whatever but and this is just like it's social yeah, so social horror i'd call it yeah almost. <laughs> And then, and again, it's funny because it's like, uh, you know, similar to Hereditary, where you know he has this, um, Secret. you know, he, he well, like, well, like where you know he's playing with like the uh, awkwardness and like you know tension between like you know families and uh, you know families that are have to deal with like mental illness and, and all this different and have to deal with death and stuff. And it's funny how it's like similar to that, but in like a totally different context like you know it's a in terms of like a relationship and friendship and stuff it's a actually yeah. on this subject i i read that intro it's an excerpt from an interview uh with ari aster who apparently mm-hmm. sweden wanted him to make like like a, a not a schlocky but like a you know like a more modern like violent take on the wicker man right like they wanted, okay. they wanted them to make a wicker man and i assume it was a specific studio in sweden not, not the country itself but yeah he, i was gonna say it's yeah. weird <laughs> the whole country is like hey and he didn't want to do it but apparently because he, he didn't see what the story was that he wanted to tell a story about and apparently he went through a bad breakup <laughs> and that's why this movie exists is because it he, he wanted to make it be about a breakup like a bad breakup and i'm like jeez like um <laughs> so it's funny but like i I can see that yeah i can (laughs) definitely see how that would inform it yeah it'd be the motivation and that's what the movie's about it's about a bad breakup and the end of this scene like you know he doesn't tell her really he sits there on the couch with her and you know she apologizes repeatedly and even says oh it's great you're going to sweden i think it's a great thing um you know it's just awkward to hear about this way or or whatever and we got cut to the next scene and i mean actually well real real quick just uh, on, on uh continuing on that idea though it's it's what's what sucks is like usually if a movie's about a breakup usually it's like the breakup is like the start of the movie or, or oh, whatever no, this but, is the long breakup yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's just interesting yeah because you usually don't see it stretched out that much and it, it's uh whew, it can definitely be painful <laughs> at times oh absolutely it's painful um but I think what's interesting about because you, you could tackle this a different way where you really like because because some movies like go through a breakup where you love both characters where it's like yeah. uh, maybe Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I mean I've not seen I'm that sure, in a while, yeah. but you know character movies where you are more like like you can't really necessarily pick a side, right? There's rights and wrongs yeah. on both sides. It shades of grey, and like I say, Christian does have like okay, I understand the sympathetic side of why he wouldn't do it right after this thing, but clearly the way he handles things is way more toxic for her. Um, yeah. But, like, no, this movie, like, 
you definitely it's more it's not about rooting for them and not wanting them to break up and being upset they're breaking up it's more about the long death the, the long played out death of the relationship yeah. and what's killing it essentially mm-hmm. um and then and you know what's funny too is you can kind of also see like similar shades of that with the way he acts with his friends because oh yeah you know so so obviously you know she uh you know kind of agrees to go to sweden uh well, with them like well, I want to talk about that specifically, but you can okay. make your point first. Go make your point. Oh, no. Uh, we're just saying... Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm guessing that's the scene we're going to talk yeah, about yeah, next. Yeah. But, like, yeah, when he, like, breaks the idea to his friends, uh, again, it's, you know, similar with the way he treats Danny. He doesn't just come out and say, hey, can we talk about this? Instead, he's like, so... Um, that's kind of happens. Yeah, here's yeah. the thing. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing I want to talk about. This is, like, even just, like, when we find out in hindsight in this scene... The way he dealt with this conversation with Danny that we never got to see the end of is instead of like explaining why he felt the way he did or why he never mentioned it or admitting anything, he just offered her to come along. He's like, hey, do you want to come on this trip with us? Um, so, because we find out in this scene, which by the way, I need to talk about the way this scene is shot because it's very, very specific, right? Where the camera's this one-wide shot and the, the doorbell or whatever goes, right? And they're in this apartment... And they're all sitting around the, the coffee table, uh, you know, two of them on the couch, uh, two in the seats, you know, opposite sides, kind of, kind of, almost like a sitcom layout of like where they are. And there's a mirror above them, a sort of wide mirror. Or it's, I don't even think it's a that's not actually a mirror. It's like, it's, it's a painting, but the the, the, the glass in the the frame is mm-hmm. reflective, right? There's a reflection mm-hmm. on it. And the doorbell goes. Uh, Christian gets up, and you know he says, "Oh, it's just Danny." And I think uh, Chidi, uh, sorry, Josh, uh, Josh says. <laughs> Oh, should we clean this shit? Because the, the table's quite messy with like you know empty food boxes and stuff. And he goes, "Oh no, it's just Danny. Don't worry, doesn't matter." And again, <laughs> even that. And I, I don't get me wrong. I, I don't necessarily think not cleaning up your mess is a sign that you don't care about your girlfriend because I feel like that's something that most people do and they're in quite healthy relationships. It's like, no, no, she knows me well enough now that I don't feel the need to pretend to be this right. clean freak. That's okay. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily. But I think in the context of this movie, the way he shrugs it off and goes, if he'd said, "I don't," she knows how messy I am. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but no, he's like, yeah. no, it's fine. Just leave it. You know, it's the way he says it. But before he goes to answer the door, he turns around and he's off camera at this point, and we just see a part of him in the reflection, and we see the three of them just looking at us. Like, oh, guys, we have to, I have to. Talk. And again, it's long drawn out. There's a lot of umming and ah, and I mean, and he's like. So to deal with the fact that she didn't know about this trip, I kind of offered to, you know, bring her along the trip. But don't worry, she's not coming. Right? And like, okay. And he's like, I'm serious. She's not coming, but I had to offer. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. She thinks she's coming. She said she's coming, but don't worry, she's not coming. And it's like, <laughs> what does that mean? She said she's coming, but you think she's not? Like, do you think she just can't or she'll change her mind or, or what? Because... I love that there's no scene in between this and then when they're on the plane because you know it almost cuts to, immediately to them on being on the plane after this this long scene, and there's no scene in between where he realizes that she is coming. It's just no, she was always like as soon as you offered, she was going to come. She was never going to turn around and say no, I'm yeah. not going to. Um, um, yeah, and it's yeah, and again, it just shows like how much of an asshole he is. And like when he's talking to yeah. his friends, it's like yeah, that's a big thing. If you know you're doing this big trip with just your friends, you would want to talk about something like another person and then again with with him just kind of assuring them like oh it's not a problem she's not coming she's not coming even though they're like you know asking like you know legitimate questions where it's like 
wait, what does that mean? You know, is she not coming or she doesn't want to go? Or, and and the funny thing, I, is, I like the way the well, sorry, like I, I like the way like the friends act like around her as well because like they're not dicks or maybe they are sometimes, but they're not really trying to be. But you can also tell that like they're not huge fans of her and like I don't think they're necessarily bad people, but it's just like maybe because they know like the weird kind of toxicity between yeah, you know christian I, and her i think there's a gradient i think like i think mark is a dick because he's just decided, oh, sure. yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he's decided i mean well you could argue it's for the right reasons because because christian is not in a great, great place with her but he is just kind of a dick and his reaction his facial reaction as he's hearing this is definitely the most <laughs> like aggressively like what the hell man yeah. but I, I think josh is kind of like a, a very fine neutral where He's like yeah. he's kind of perplexed in this scene, but he's always really civil with her. I feel like Josh is always nice enough to her whenever she's directs him, you know, actually talks to him or whatever. But mm. like in this scene, like he is kind of perplexed because again, like you said, it's kind of like we had this trip planned for a long time, and all of a sudden at the last yeah. minute you're bringing someone like, and especially when he's the one who clearly arranged the trip because he wants to do this this thesis thing, or maybe mm. the Swedish guy, yeah, uh, uh, Pelle uh, arranged Pelle? the trip. Pelle? Um, yeah. but like, and then Pelle is the one who's actually nice to her, and we see that in this scene. He's yeah. the one, and I think it's notable that when she comes in the room it may cut to a reverse shot where you finally see her standing there i think it does um but i think the idea of the reflection above them is literally hanging over their heads in this reflection it's like this dark <laughs> cloud hanging over their heads and it, this situation has been created purely because he can't admit how he feels to anyone yeah um and i, I think you know the idea that he is that he has this strain not on only in her life but also in their life even if it's not as prevalent to them yet it's definitely becoming so. So, like, this was massively directed, and she comes in and she's like, you know, so yeah, guys, is it okay that I'm I'm coming? And they're all gonna, uh, yeah, of course. Like, and <laughs> I can't blame them for not admitting it because, again, they're kind of in the situation by proxy. It's awkward for them, you know. Well, again, it's one of those things that it's like, what do you do? Like, would you really say no? Like, you know, yeah, that's... it's a it's a total dick thing. Like, he's put them in this awful position where they don't really want her there, and it's not that they're awful, like, except maybe Mark. <laughs> yeah, you know, and obviously Pelly does actually kind of want her there, as we find out. But, yeah. um, you know, like again, Josh is kind of the neutral one here. Where he's he seems like a reasonable enough person. Mm. He's just kind of like perplexed by the idea, but you know, whatever. Um, so no, again, this really spells things out. And then the other important part of the scene, of course, is that Christian pisses off to the bathroom or something, or he's, he's or he's working with Mark on something. Uh, so this is where Pelly sits down with her, and we find out he's like, "Oh, I'm actually quite glad you're coming. Uh, I'll show you some photos of the thing." And you know, he tries to bring up uh, her her parents uh, dying, and you know, and say, that, "Oh, his parents died in a fire," which, in hindsight, given how the movie ends, is very interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, his parents died in the fire um and i don't worry, I'm gonna go through every scene in this detail it's just i think the opening few scenes are just so full of like great little moments and as is the trip to the to the place because there's so much in the body language that really like sings to me um and you know there's just little moments I, I think the next big moment i i really like um is you know after they're on the plane they're in the car they, they stop because uh, Pelly's brother's here. It's like a sort of like mid-stop where some of the people like show up just to like have mushrooms together and, yeah. uh, you know, to have a trip. And, you know, she doesn't want to. She's like, no, I don't really want to like be intoxicated in any way. I mean, you know, maybe I'll build up to stuff later in the trip. And he's kind of a dick about it. He's like, are you sure you shouldn't want to? Like, it's, no, it's fine. It's fine. You go ahead. 
and then he makes up more awkward by saying oh, oh well i won't either um and it's yeah. not that that part itself is awkward like him like sticking up and being I'll, I'll you know i'll be in the same boat as her to make her feel better that's perfectly fine the problem is is that then mark's like oh dude don't be a dick like that means we'll come down at the wrong you know different times you yeah. know it'll be weird <laughs> and then there's just this awkward silence where she has to sort of be the nice person and say oh you know what it's okay like, i'll 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 join in it's fine you can do it because she feels yeah. bad that she's she's you know, taking him out of the, the the fun and again he puts her in this place he puts her in this place where she has to be the bad guy um mm-hmm. and it's just it's, it's extremely ex- mentally exhausting like watching this movie yeah. i was just feeling it like all the way <laughs> oh dear Christian's such a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just real quick, uh, going back just a little bit, the um, sure, sure. transition from, uh, I think she's having like a, a freak out or whatever, and she's going to like run into the bathroom and then it turns into the bathroom on the plane is just really, really beautiful oh, shot. Yeah. And then, um, and then again, just from that to, yeah, them arriving in Sweden. And, and again, I think that's when you kind of start to see, the, like you were mentioning earlier, those big like landscape shots, which, and again, just all really, really masterfully done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and they, they get, you know, they meet like these other people, these two uh, English people, this English couple who Pelly's brothers brought along. And of course, I'm already thinking at this point, okay, they're bringing victims for whatever they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like they're bringing outsiders <laughs> that they can they can eat or yeah. whatever. Um, but there may actually be a little bit of cannibalism uh, mixed in there. <laughs> uh, but one of the scenes again that was very telling to me is as well, soon I think it's after they arrive at camp and they're still getting to know each other, and the body language here is so good because this couple from England, uh, you know, the boyfriend's got his arm around the girl, their hands are kind of clasped over her shoulder. And they're kind of just introducing themselves, and uh, and they say, oh, like how you know, uh, I think it's really awkward how the brother of Pelly's like, oh, I was actually dating so and so at the time, and she's like, well, we went on one date. I don't even really know it was a date, you know, but yeah, we you know we met first, um, and there's like, oh, now we're engaged, and like, oh, congratulations, you know, and like as they're walking, like they, again, they've got their hands over each other's shoulders, hands are clasped. It's like you know they're really affectionate, and then in front of them. Danny and Christian are walking to sort of like there's like five foot between them. Like they're they're walking <laughs> as a pair, but they're walking yeah. with the biggest distance possible. And not that you always have to be holding hands or anything, but they're just so far apart. And then yeah. they say, Oh, how long have you two been together? And first of all, they give different answers. He says three and a half years <laughs> and she says four. So which tells you that he's been checked out of the relationship for a while. But also, like like just just the, the fact that they answer at the same time and um the, the fact that they've just brought up a you know an engagement they're engaged this couple and they mm. have been together for four years and like the subject of engagement all, almost looks like a really ugly subject where she kind of awkwardly says oh that's that's great and it's just really awkward like yeah <laughs> you know like they should probably be at the point where they're talking about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and they're not it's not even come up like, it's, it's something that he would never come up and, and then of course he's forgotten her birthday it's another big plot point early on um because she mentioned before they leave that she arrives uh they're, they'll, they'll arrive in the place on her birthday and pelly remembers this and gives her a drawing mm-hmm. of herself that he's done because he draws things and she mentions that christian's forgotten but you know it's not his fault because she's not reminded of them and i'm like wait a minute <laughs> it's not his fault that he <laughs> yeah. forgot your birthday because you didn't uh. remind them hold on Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm terrible at remembering birthdays i am but i can handle one person i can handle the important person right 
yeah it, if it's someone that that that's like you're going out with and stuff it's you're pretty easy to remember and then also like with this day and age with like electronic reminders mm -hmm. and like you know facebook notifications and stuff it's you have no really i think it's a lot harder to forget birthdays than it used to be at the very least you'll know early in that morning because at least one form of social media will say hey ding ding it's this person's birth and exactly not everyone yeah. uses social media admittedly but these douchebags feel like they use social media <laughs> <laughs> oh sure sure <laughs> so you know that's what it is and he tries to kind of like you know throw it off as oh i thought it was i thought it was still yesterday because it's still daytime or you know and, and whatever and yeah you know he's like oh i'm sorry you should be mad at me and again he's playing the nice guy but like everything about the body language everything about what he says just comes off as someone who's only in this relationship because he's just not willing to to be honest and tell the truth so he has to and again it makes it like what she's going through with him is much worse um and yeah. it's kind of this thing where she really kind of knows deep down that he's not really interested he's kind of checked out um and yeah, that's what it is uh so I, I you know obviously there's all things we'll mention about the relationship i think throughout but i think at this point we kind of shift to just talking about the plot of the movie and the plot of the <coughs> the the camp and what's going yeah. on here um and what they kind of discover slowly and surely throughout because i feel like the movie does a great job building up at this point in their relationship and i think that stuff is the stuff that i'm more likely to talk about like beat by beat like we have done because that stuff is so well well mm -hmm. thought out and like so many little moments that tell you so much about the characters um and you know everyone's so friendly when you get there you know they're nice yeah you know? <laughs> um even speaking english for them uh during certain moments and um mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they do a little bit of a ritual uh, early on or some dancing going on or, or whatever. But the big thing is day two, because day two has this ceremony um, where after they've all had, had dinner, there's like these two people at the head of the table, which are considered the, the, the head honchos, the people who were celebrating today. Uh, and there's obviously the hint before where they're talking about, uh, the, like they consider lives to come in four seasons. Um and mm -hmm. he gives these age ratings for each season and the last one ends at 72 and she's like well what happens at 72 and you almost take it as a joke where he's like you know and kind of does the, yeah. the next slash thing um mm -hmm. but we have this this ceremony where they go out to this cliff and these two old people um cut their hands they they put their blood on this this rune that's up there and we get a very very violent um like jumping yeah. off this cliff and like you see the head mm -hmm just like smash against this rock it is Oof. it is brutal yeah <laughs> it's yeah like so vicious so gory and it, it's just like illuminating like parts of the body <laughs> that like you don't think of like you know just like the like lower you know teeth on the skull just like completely explode uh exposed and like just the rest of the head just this you know violent <laughs> bloody like you know mush and then you think that's bad and, and then the second the other guy goes or the um you know the the, the first one was like the woman and then the yeah second one the the guy when he jumps uh he doesn't quite make it so they have to put him out of his misery yeah with, with a really comical big uh mallet like again this was yeah. one of those things where it was almost darkly funny the way they had to come in and they, they took turns like hitting the guy in the head thought it was like a bloody mush um, yeah. super violent uh, so if violence is a problem this would be the one scene that really sticks out as being with it yeah <laughs> yeah you know violent um and 
you know, obviously they're freaking out. The, the British couple especially are really freaking out uh, at this, and they're saying, you know, because once because once the women jump, the guys like on the cliff, and they're like, no, please don't jump, please don't jump, like don't have to do this, and yeah. they're all kind of freaked out, um, and it's like, no, this is their culture, you know, they they, they believe in, and you know, giving themselves up at seventy two before they get like sick and old and kind of mm-hmm. thing. And they try and like pass this off as normal, and it's their culture. And mm. again, like Christian just kind of shrugs and goes, "Oh, I mean, you know, I'm freaked out, but like, you know." Yeah, so- and, and like they're all, you know, as like anthropology majors, you can see that you know, <laughs> like this kind of stuff is like fascinating. Like as you know, brutal and messed up as they probably think it is, like there's there's still this hint of fascination with them, where they're like, "Oh, okay," and especially, you know, which I don't. Like, um, you know, when they're doing something that's like a big deal, like their thesis, like, you, you know, you can kind of feel like maybe they might even be a little glad at how messed up it is because it's going to make it a lot more interesting, you know, for mm. their papers. Yeah, and that, that comes up. And that's another example of Christian being a dick, uh, not just with Danny, because, you know, uh, Josh is, I keep almost calling him Chidi because of uh, the, the, the good place, but yeah. <laughs> You know, he comes in, he's like, hey, I know you're doing your thesis here, and I want to tell you first, so I'm not making it weird by not telling you, but I'm all, I'm also going to do a thesis on this place. And he's, he gets kind of pissed off. He's like, are you serious? You know I've been planning this for months and months, and this was mm-hmm. always going to be my plan, and now you're taking it because you, you don't have anything else of your own. You know, it's, it's kind of cowardly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, everything he calls him in this scene is just kind of true about who he is in general. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very blatant and, and whatever. Uh, so they're, they're both kind of vying to learn some of the secrets of uh of of the town and and what 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 their culture is and what they're doing and uh and, and again it's just such like a such an asshole way that he like approaches it because you know th- there's no reason why really they probably couldn't have you know each done it on you know this community and stuff but like again you know he should have approached him and said hey this is what I'm thinking like is that okay can we talk about it but instead yeah he just goes up there and he's like you know and like you said he's trying to be the nice guy so he's like saying like hey i'm just gonna let you know because i don't want to be weird but you know really he's still being an asshole but he's like yeah i'm doing it and then you know when uh you know he does call him out for it instead of again trying to talk it out and you know be more adult about it he gets more defensive and you know the more defensive you get you just kind of you know become more like a petulant asshole yeah pr- <laughs> i mean that that's him that's him to in a nutshell uh, yeah. he, you know, because we we learn a few things about the culture here, which uh, we have to talk about the book and the uh, the yes. character who who is in the book, um, who I didn't know earlier. Oh god, I'm looking for his name in the credits. Um, is it? It's like a short name. That Ruben. An S. Ruben. Ruben. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not an S. Okay. Yeah, not an S. <laughs> um, so Sorry. we find out that uh, they've got this book they read from, and it's just you know we see like glimpses of it. And it's just like you know a child like scribbles essentially um, and they treat this like prophecy like this is a scripture and it's an ever-going process they've got tons of volumes of it and this is the, la- the latest one and we find out that this kid this uh disabled kid uh ruben who's got a you know got a deformed face um he he's the one who writes on it and he explains to uh i think it's josh that Yes, we we see someone like him is is not being clouded like the rest of us. He's got a direct line to the beyond or you know whatever the phrasing was, and he's you know and quite rightly he's like yeah well what do you do if once once Ruben's passed away like do you just wait for you know someone else who's who's like him um and he's mm-hmm. like 
oh no 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 like you know we, we intentionally have uh have people born out of incest to to yeah. facilitate this role and like and this comes because i remember earlier in the film where uh i think it's christian's like asking someone about like this and they say oh there's no incest no like um uh, we we you know we it's a small community but we we respect the the, the rules and taboo of incest um you know we bring in outsiders kind of thing and yeah because <laughs> uh, i think that's the same scene where uh the british guy has gone missing um and they claim that he left in a truck without his girlfriend for her to join him later but mm-hmm. obviously danny thinks this is kind of weird and she comes up to tell christian mm-hmm. this and he goes oh that's that's really weird babe uh you know she, she t- contacted him to say goodbye i mean that's just really odd and then immediately goes mm-hmm. well that reminds me uh, on the subject of it being a small town and incest uh, <laughs> like <laughs> and he just immediately starts ignoring her again um yeah so you know just little things like that that drive you up the wall like you really um and And especially at this point when you can kind of like um this isn't really a movie with like any big surprises i would say because like you kind of know pretty early on that it's like all right this seems like it's going to be like a pagan cult movie Mm -hmm. and obviously you what you expect in those movies is people getting sacrificed and like they don't really shy away from that but uh you can kind of see like uh the people are so interested in it they're like ignoring you know these kind of signs where like danny feels like the only one well i guess danny and like the british couple are kind of like the only ones who seem to be acting sensibly and kind of know like what's going to happen or at least know that like something is not right there yeah um so and then you know the british woman disappears as well and say oh yeah and it's just it's different people who tell them oh yeah i, t- I took her t- you know to to meet her boyfriend uh you know yesterday um and again it's more suspicious stuff and of course it's not actually that far into the movie when both mark and josh also you know get go this is when we actually get to see what happens to them though uh you know mark one of them's one of the guys is pissed at him because he pees on their their, their tree which is like their elder tree that is like uh like a a homage to all their dead like a like a spiritual well like the marking yeah yeah i think they they like you know uh, burn their people and then like yeah like spread the ashes like along this tree and you know mark is just taking a, a piss there that it is uh i actually think it, it is like kind of a funny scene like how much the guy gets pissed at him especially he's just like yelling at him in like swedish no. and he doesn't know like what he's saying and yeah no pun intended they're pissed at him i see what you did yeah <laughs> um no he like so he he like this girl who's been kind of eyeing him up like kind of leads him away from the dinner table and he's like oh i guess i'll be back guys i'll go with her yeah. and you know we don't see him for the rest of the day and he uh you know it's actually that night because he wasn't allowed to take photos that that josh sneaks into the the secret or the the sacred building with a book and he starts taking photos of the book for his thesis later um which by the way if you're a real anthropologist i feel like this is really frowned upon like sneaky like (laughs) unethical (laughs) tactics to get what you want uh just just putting that out there uh but he gets hit over the head after of course he sees a very deformed uh uh mark come in who is it's out of focus but he very much looks like he's not wearing any like uh pants or uh, you know he's exposed from the waist down um yeah and he's, he's, his face is all messed up um so yeah this is the big first thing in advance and i think what really does this movie does a really interesting job with is this re- weird feeling where by the time we get past this you know because most movies i think that had this kind of plot at this point we feel like okay it's going to be about the characters realizing they're in danger and trying to get out right mm-hmm. and this movie never really becomes that it like 
But at this point, it almost feels like she's kind of starting to like be won over by the the, the cult, essentially. And yeah. he just starts to be more and more confused and confused as to why anything's happening. Um, yeah. Which, again, is kind yeah. of a... a it's, it's almost like a, the whole thing's just symbolic of like her realizing the relationship she's in and that she wants to end it and him mm-hmm. being confused why she would even want to not be a part of him anymore. Um, yeah. Because he's been perfect, of course, in his mind. Yeah, he's been <laughs> right as rain. Yeah, and then, and then, uh, and, and even though it's like, yeah, you feel like this is like a dangerous place and stuff. Like you, you do kind of like uh, the fact that um, you know she's actually, you know, somewhere where she's kind of like with people that appreciate her, as opposed to yeah, this guy that like you just can't be bothered with her. Like these people actually you know like her time and what she's contributing yeah, to it, them it starts with pelly who you know it seems to be into her and he does kind of hold her hand at one point and she's like oh christian could walk in at any moment and he's like well yeah exactly like do you feel held by christian do you feel like he's there to support yeah. you and comfort you and he kind of sets up that theme uh, and of course later on when she becomes may queen by winning the, the dancing or the, the, the dance off mm-hmm. essentially um <laughs> You know, because, you know, eventually people fall down because they're dancing so long. She's the last woman standing and she becomes the May Queen. Like, you know, Pelly outright kisses her in the face and it doesn't even feel like she, you know, mm. she even reacts to it all that much beyond just, yeah. <laughs> of course, that makes sense. But, yeah, so there's some, I feel like before we get to her side of it, we have to talk about Christian's side of this because mm-hmm. there's a woman, you know, a young woman who's kind of staring at him throughout their time at the at the place and she is eyeing him up and at one point puts a love rune under his bed to kind of signify that you know she's claimed him and at one point he's led to a a building with either her mother or just one of the village elders uh to say that oh uh that this young girl has claimed uh, you and wishes you to mate with her she's chosen you as a mate she's not allowed to have sex and she wishes you (laughs) to be the, the 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 young lad and you know (laughs) <laughs> and contention yeah. and this is after uh he's eaten a pie with her pubic hair in it yeah because by this point they're already starting to rope uh, uh danny into like some of the, the the activities that the women do uh such as cooking uh so she helps make these pies these meat pies um which i'm pretty sure is human meat just based on or even bear meat which by the way yeah let's mention the bear check off spare there's a bear early on in the movie when they first arrive and the guy's like showing them around he's like we're not going to, and one of them's like we're not going to mention the bear and the guy who's showing them around just goes it's a bear and just keeps walking yeah. <laughs> in a cage of course he's not just out in the open uh attacking yeah. people obviously um but yeah so they could be feeding them bear uh but certainly human i expect because he thinks mm-hmm. he seems to think it's an intentional pube that she's put in the pie um i got the impression mm-hmm. that it's just no they were cooking humans and a pube <laughs> got in there um fact i mean interesting well yeah i i I thought it was like part of the spell she was trying to do or whatever oh so yeah so it's intentional you think then yeah that that, that was my idea but i mean yeah who knows i I could get behind either way uh (laughs) and after the the may queen celebration they're they're all at dinner and she's given this spot at the head of the table she's dressed like them at this point and mark's been given this thing to drink uh that's put him you know he's he's drugged essentially and and well, uh, uh, real quick though, uh, w- one thing that I think is really interesting about the movie is like, yeah, everyone in this 
uh, societies all dressed the same. And so, like, all the visitors really stick out because you just see oh, yeah. all these people in these white robes. And then there's just, like, a couple of people wearing jeans and T-shirts and stuff. And then it's really cool at this point. It's kind of telling where you see, oh, she looks like th them now. But Christian still stands out. Like, you know, he's never, even though, like, they want him to mate with this girl and stuff, he's still never made like yeah. to be one of them and every, every single yeah every single other person who's came with them has died and is missing now yeah so he, he's literally the only one at this giant long table who's not wearing a white gown uh, and he really and it feels like he's really on the outside like she's really sort of leaving him behind at this point uh, and she yeah. she's finding people who she's connecting with um and it's at this point where you know once they like lead her off to go in this carriage to go and help like bury meat in the soil to like help yeah. with the harvest or whatever it is uh, he's led off to this this barn uh, where he's brought inside and this young woman is lying naked uh, on the floor uh, not her legs are closed right now but she you know we get a reverse shot where her legs open uh, but she is surrounded like there's like a sort of semicircle of women around her uh, from varying ages you know all the way to like you know 18 to you know like 60 um, <laughs> and they're all butt ass naked it's all full frontal just this line of women uh, behind her and he's led in the room uh, to to have sex with her in front of all these women who are all chanting and doing all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And this is where I'm talking about intentional comedy. This this is a very yeah. funny scene <laughs> because it's so surreal. And I think it's supposed yeah. to be. Um, and, you know, I don't know about you, Tim, but nothing mm -hmm. puts me in the mood more than the mother of my partner staring <laughs> me in the eyes whilst having sex, whilst also an old woman who's at least 60 years old pushing my ass from behind yeah that's yeah that, that's like a, a big laugh uh yeah in our, our theater like um yeah yeah because he's like at this point like they're all kind of like drugged to the gills well like at, at least like a like danny and christian like you never really know exactly what they're taking but they're clearly on like these weird like hypnotic kind of psychedelic yeah drugs so which kind of adds to the terror because everything's going on is so like weird and strange but then yeah, when you also mix in, like, you know, they're taking these drugs, they don't really know what's happening. It's like, you, you can see this kind of, like, paranoid terror in their eyes. And then with Christian, it's funny because, like, he, yeah, the whole movie has been kind of getting these, like, little, you know, glances and, and stuff from this uh, woman that likes him. And, you know, it, it's kind of weird because you do, you are led to believe that, you know, Christian is an asshole, which, you know, he obviously is. But I was never really sure if he was gonna like cheat because like it seems like he is definitely um like kind of into the idea of someone else you know liking him but I, I don't know if he you know would would fully like uh go with it if he you know hadn't been drugged and everything yeah, but well, I, I think part of it is that he is used here like it's almost like much like um well, I mean, we don't really get evidence that he's using her per se. Uh, I mean, maybe he can read into that and say that he was in some levels, but um, yeah. he he is basically just used and discarded by this community. He's drugged. Mm -hmm. I mean, given that he's drugged, I mean, you could al almost just call this rape. You can almost say that he he's kind of raped in this scene. Yeah, I um, can, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a kind of a murky one, but like he is drugged mm -hmm. for sure. And kind of pressured yeah. into it, so I mean, there's definitely elements of that there, and uh, you know, and also like she immediately, as soon as he finishes, she just kind of goes, "I can feel the baby inside me." Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, like when when he's doing it, like it, it's so funny because it's just like, uh, 
you know, it's like a sex scene, but it's just so like, you know, not sexy. Like even when he's doing it, it looks like he's like really confused. And then, um, yeah, when it gets to the point where, you know, the, the old naked lady behind you is, is pushing you, trying yeah. to help you like thrust and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, again, it's like, you know, it's very crazy. And like you said, very surreal, but it, it is like weirdly funny. Watching it, really, I, honestly, even the moment, like, cause before he goes down, like, cause by this point they have put him in a robe like, after they've drugged him, they've put him in a white robe and mm-hmm. they actually like, you know, take it off of him when he comes in the building after the door's shut and he's standing there full frontal um and yeah. you know call me crazy but full frontal male nudity is just pretty funny all right i'm just going to say <laughs> like it very yeah. <laughs> very rarely do i not at least think it's amusing um unless it's a really yeah. dark i mean it's kind of but it's a darkly funny scene right and yeah after the sex scene when he kind of like almost sobers up a little bit he he runs out of the building and he's butt ass naked he's running around his dick's <laughs> flapping around everywhere as he's running around, and it, it takes him a good like minute to realize that he's naked still, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I should probably cover my junk." And this is when he runs into uh, one of the little the, the chicken hut, and there's a uh, the the English guy is actually strung up and like opened up from behind, and he's got like flowers in his eyes, and mm. he kind of realizes, and you know they come in and get him really easily here. Um, yeah. It's a really good like creepy visual, just yeah, him being torn apart, and like you know, there's like a weird kind of like you know like pagan nature aspect to it yeah. where yeah he has like plants and stuff growing out of him and then uh and i forget if it's before or after but then you know he also sees uh or i forget if he sees it or just you as the audience see it but you see uh, like josh's legs sticking out of the ground yeah um do you, do you know what i like about this scene uh specifically the part where he's outside and he's running around naked is that it's multiple things at the same time in one way it's funny because there's a guy running around with his dick flapping about mm-hmm. on a second second level it's actually quite a really scary idea that imagine you're in a situation and you're so vulnerable you're just you're literally naked and you're running around yeah. and you feel like these crazy people are after you like it's really kind of you know and then you also have the actual kind of darkly comic side to it um and as well as just being kind of like okay he's in a complete panic and you know he goes he goes in the, the where the animals are and i'm like would you want to be near to animals while you're butt ass naked i don't think i would want to be <laughs> no. you know like i, I don't know like everything about I mean, it just it's just so yeah. like uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable in a way that's like okay i'm darkly i'm kind of laughing at it because it's so absurd but man like this is this is it's... a dire place to be in <laughs> Yeah, it's just really impressive how he's just able to do multiple things at once. It's like, yeah, this is like really scary, but it is also, yeah, like weirdly comedic. And yeah, you just, there's a lot of different aspects in it you can see. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, Florence Pugh, uh, Danny's, you know, brought back and, you know, she's been celebrated, but she, she's, she also witnesses the sex. She, she's, she's, She's told not to go up there, but she walks up and looks through the keyhole and sees Christian having sex with uh, this girl. And this was the scene where, if you didn't get it already, I think it really spells out what she's finding in this place. Because other people care about her already, but there's a scene here where she goes back to like, the, the bed area. Uh, it feels weird calling it a bedroom because it's like a barn with like like 50 beds yeah. in it. Uh, but she she's on the floor, she's just wailing, and it's very similar to when she's wailing... Um, at the start of the movie when she hears about her parents and her oh, sister yeah. and instead of anything else we have like a whole group of the women from this this little cult uh holding her hands mm-hmm. holding her, her sides and all of them wail with her they all scream and like mm-hmm. 
channel pain with her because that's what she needs right now. And it's like, whatever else you want to say, if if they're wanting to indoctrinate her and bring her into this fold, Mm. they're giving her exactly what Christian doesn't. They're giving her understanding and they're giving her Mm. um, pain. And that's what Pelly has been saying the whole movie is that they gave him a home and they gave him, you know, a place that cares about him and understands him and is always there for him. Like, uh, yeah, like they're sharing, uh, you know, her grief with her as opposed to, yeah, Christian, all he ever really did was just tell her to, like, not worry about it or forget about it, you know, or you know, just try to kind of block things out where it's like finally it feels like someone is listening to her. And again, you know, as like weirdly surreal and, you know, even like kind of comedic, like, yeah, you know, seeing all these people kind of joining in in this, like, you know, uh, this trembling and ranting and stuff, it's, uh, like kind of like a weird like a weird positive step for her yeah um and i'm like okay i understand what this movie's done now i like you know like sh- this is ending with her being part of this and maybe mm-hmm. yeah i mean <sighs> okay i'm going to like the witch has been out for a couple of years i'm just going to say spoilers for the witch so i can say something okay uh, skip ahead <laughs> skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this mm-hmm. uh so you know it, it's kind of like the witch and that the whole movie's about her coming into the fold right it's about the main mm-hmm. character becoming uh, what the, everyone else is um, but I also think in a, a, a representation level, because I heard Ari Aster, again, in an interview, probably one of the same interviews that I, I already mentioned, uh, he described this, this final stuff at the end where uh, they have the sacrifices in the, in the, the, the sacrificial home that they burn, right? Um, and they have all the sacrifices, all the people they've killed, a couple of volunteers, and of course the, the person that, that they may queen all pick to put in, which ends up being Christian. Um he compared this to like burning like a box of your ex's stuff after a bad breakup and that's what this scene essentially is um yeah. it, it's him and all of his friends um and like she's saying goodbye to this um and you know we get they get the bear comes back because they put christian you know, she because we don't get to see her pick christian but it's kind of clear she's probably going to at this point he's yeah. just drugged out if he's not he's just sitting in a wheelchair not moving and he's placed in the bear. They, they skin, you know, they, they take out the innards of the bear and they put him inside the bear costume. Let's say the bear costume, the real bear. He's inside the bear <laughs> with his head just poke, poking out under the, the bear's mouth. And they're put very ceremonial into this building. You get the idea that Pelly, when he says his parents died in the fire, it was probably just like this. They probably uh, uh, either volunteered or were the outsiders and they kept him because he was a child. Um, either way, it works, yeah. you know um what i thought was interesting though is that the two people who volunteered from their community because like two of the nine have to be volunteers from from them Mm. um they like they're giving stuff so that it's not painful like like a drug but honestly once the fire started they started screaming in terror and it was like clear that this didn't work like you know it, it was like it was like how much of this is a facade um yeah. And maybe you could argue that the whole movie, like that, like if if the if the cult represents the the new boyfriend or you know the idea of someone that actually will be there for her, like mm-hmm. is it the idea that like after a bad breakup you'll go to what seems like the right thing for you, even though it may actually be equally unhealthy? I don't know if it's maybe try to say that, um, and you're just mm-hmm. trying to find solstice somewhere, or if it is the right thing for you, um, and it's just I mean, okay, all these horrible things are happening. But it's like it's not if you take it less literal and more just okay, like the idea that you have to be like kind of harsh with yourself and like cut off everyone who's part of that 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 life that you're trying to leave. Like so for her, like him and all of his friends are the things that she has to cut out of her life. She has to break away from that to be healthy, and that's what burning the 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 building, aka the the breakup box, is at the end. 
is that she wants to she has to make a clean break and just jettison them out of her life and embrace the new parts of her life which is what the the cult represents whether that's a new boyfriend a new group of friends a, you know whatever a new hobby like, yeah whatever it is yeah. <laughs> um so i think it's quite clear what the movie's really about which is nice i think that's a different thing from hereditary i don't, I don't know how did you did you like the ending did you like all this stuff at the end i don't, I don't... I did, yeah. Uh, I like, you know, um, and again, you know, similar to like kind of the stuff we've been talking about. I like that there's, you know, a, a lot to think about, you know, here. Uh, obviously, yeah, it's very metaphorical. Like, like you're saying, it kind of, you know, is like that reaching that end point of a breakup and trying to put stuff behind you. But then also, it just kind of works, you know, on a horror level too, where yeah, you have you know, what this one guy is going through, which is just, you know, terrifying where you're being sacrificed, you're being sewn up into a bear. So it's, you know, this extra layer of like weirdness going on, but then also just kind of not being able to move as this place is burning is like, you know, uh, I just love like the horror and weird imagery and that. And then, yeah, like seeing all the other stuff too, like you see like some of the other like bodies and stuff and them, you know, like very decorated with like, yeah like leaves and sticks and stuff uh coming out of them again it's just really cool and then uh yeah it it is kind of hard to see like where exactly she'll go from here like i do like that it kind of ends with her smiling uh which i I read something where you know the director and the actress kind of had different ideas about you know what exactly is happening like i think you know ari aster was saying like yeah that she is fully ingrained into the community now and uh, i think the the actress says like the way she felt it was more like, you know, she was just so far gone at this point that like, she's almost having like a, like a mental break or whatever, like, it, cause you just can't process what's going on. Well, what's funny for me, I just, I took it less literal and just, it was like, no, this is her family over this relationship. Like that's how I took it. Yeah. Um, because like I say, like to me, the film is purely about, um, breaking up, uh, because she needs to break off with all these people. It's, but you know, boy, the boyfriend, especially but everything connects to the boyfriend and mm-hmm. has find, found this new place that accepts her and again well that represents a boyfriend a new boyfriend friends or you know it's just it's something general that's actually supportive uh, a new family you know whatever um like and she's just happy to leave that behind because she's finally found the strength to do it uh, obviously if you take the movie literally which it, it still works literally um obviously yes these people have been killed and you can say well he's a he's a dick bag but does he deserve to be burned alive necessarily <laughs> i mean that's yeah you know another question um but again it's in this heightened kind of reality uh where it all mm-hmm. really makes sense um actually what's really funny in a weird way kind of reminds me of just for one detail is so- gone girl because I remember when Gone Girl came out, I remember hearing uh, people saying, like, you shouldn't go see it if your relationship is in a rocky place because it'll probably break you up. <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like this would probably... See, if you're in a place that's kind of similar to this, where mm-hmm. one of you is kind of distant and then you watch this movie, I feel like you might actually, you know... I could see that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you start to kind of notice things, like... Sometimes, you know, like... um I think, like, in fairness to Danny and everything, especially with everything she's going through, I think a lot of times when there are warning signs, you don't always see them. Like, I, oh, I know sure. I've definitely had, like, relationships where I, I look at it now, it's like, oh, geez, like, that was, <laughs> you know, that was awful. Uh, but, you know, at the time, you know, for, you know, a myriad of reasons, you might think that, uh, oh, no, it'll work itself out or, or oh, it's not as bad as I think. Uh but yeah, like when you're seeing it in like someone else or on like the movie screen, I think it's kind of hard to be like, 
you know, like not recognize that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because we were obviously independent observers. We get to kind of see it in a way that maybe she's not noticing. Um, no, that's that's really good. Um, actually, because I, like, I think all it would take actually is maybe like one boyfriend saying, you know, I don't think he was that bad. I think this movie was pretty harsh <laughs> on him. Um, yeah. And they're like, well, okay, <laughs> that's a conversation that way to be privy to. <laughs> I'm staying out of that. Um, it'll be yeah, you gotta like look out like the same way. You know, you gotta be a little wary of people that think like Joker and Harley Queen, uh, Harley Quinn Harley is like Queen. the. it's like you know people that think that's like the height of romance like yeah if there's anyone that thinks these are like some of cinema's greatest lovers uh, (laughs) you might might have to like reevaluate your standards of relationship yeah don't don't get me wrong i don't think danny in this movie is uh like someone that strikes me as a good person to be in a relationship at this point if she was with like a supportive like genuine person who cared about her then great but clearly like you know like she's not obviously after this tragedy isn't going to be emotionally available or appealing to anyone because she's obviously dealing with a lot of stuff um yeah she should definitely like take some time to yeah process what she's going through yeah but she's already in this relationship and again i sympathize with why he can't just break up with her right after this because you would feel like an absolutely awful monster you would and yeah I get that. I totally do. But the way he handles things, like you, you put on a brave face and you stick with it for for however long you think you need to, I guess. But um, it's just, I don't know. I, I like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the movie's a breakup movie. It's a movie about two people breaking <laughs> up. Um, and, you know, it, it's the horror movie version of Blue Valentine. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's my, that's my, uh, <laughs> my semi-spoiler synopsis it's a horror movie version of blue valentine um so no uh anything else you want to add about the movie before we get to get to ratings uh not really yeah i mean i feel like we covered it uh again it's just you know uh it's moves along like i was just really invested in every scene like you know even when it's maybe a little slower or whatever it's just you know so beautiful to look at or you're just so like getting sucked into you know the these relationships and everything it just you know that really i, I had a blast watching it <laughs> i think what's impressive with the script the acting and the direction here i'm just combining all three of those here because i think all three are kind of the big major proponents of this is that how often do we come out of a horror movie and say no the best thing about it is the relationship between the two main yeah. characters and definitely because the movie's really about the breakdown of that relationship it kind of has to work for it for, for the whole movie to work and it does because Ari Aster knows how to direct a movie. He knows how to direct actors. The script is there, and you know we don't usually talk, come out of horror movies talking about how the good character writing is what makes it work, and that's kind of what's so impressive about this. It was also what's impressive about Hereditary. The best parts of that movie were because the character writing was so good, uh, mixed with the direction. So, um, you know, and I I love like other horror movies obviously that don't have that and are better because of other reasons uh, because they're actually tense and yeah. like horror movie ways and. But this is something so different, and he's he's hit us with two films now that that are really unique in the genre right now. Uh, it makes it hard not to be excited for the for the next thing. Just kind of like how yeah. uh, the Witch's director uh, Robert Eggers uh, is is coming with oh, yeah. uh, with the Lighthouse, the Lighthouse later yeah. this year. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, if we get a yearly <laughs> Ari Aster horror movie, I'd be okay with that. I don't think it could be yearly. If if, if anything, <laughs> I feel like him and Eggers should probably alternate years because I feel like they're both filling a very similar That'd be good. void yeah. in the horror genre. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, sorry, I almost said Hereditary again. Uh, <laughs> Midsummer is a really great movie and one that I think might get better with uh, repeat viewings. Um yeah. So, uh, Tim, what are you rating it yes. out of 10? Uh, I'm going to give it a, a 9. I yeah, I can't really think of, of too many faults with it. Um, I look forward to watching it again. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's really impressive just the way he, like, this guy that, you know, didn't even know his name, like, um, what like a year and a half ago or whatever all of a sudden is like this you know new great voice yeah. and I, I don't know if he is like interested in like always doing horror or whatever but i mean I, i'm definitely interested in the, you know whatever he yeah. does yeah I, I don't think he even has to stick to horror i, I feel like the way he handles characters yeah. interacting he could do any genre and it would work definitely so you know if, I, if not every genre always needs the great characters at the center but if you can give me a great character piece within a genre then I'll always appreciate that, and he can totally do that. He he could do a sci-fi movie, he could do a, just a straight drama, he could do, you know, an action movie, whatever he wants to do, yeah. <laughs> um, and it'll be great. So, um, yeah, I my rating, I, mm, I'm tempted to agree and go with a nine. I'm I'm worried that it's the freshness of it that's making me go with a nine and not. But it, it feels like a movie that that's will, always part of it, yeah. That will get better with viewings, though. It, it doesn't feel like one that's going to go down for me. So I guess yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll be ballsy and say the nine. I'll say it's a nine out of ten. Yeah. Um, obviously it's going to rank very well in our best horror movies of of twenty nineteen. <laughs> Which, by the way, I was thinking of changing our rules for that a little bit. <laughs> no, I think you'll like this. I think you'll like this because. Up until now, we've been very strict about if it was a movie that was actually released the year before, but we didn't get to see it mm. until the year. I always said, no, no, it should be the movies that, that were definitively released in 2019. I'm thinking mm. of stretching it a little bit and saying more just the new movies we saw in in 2019 or whatever the year is uh, to well, make, like, make it a more fleshed out list. That When you say new movies, do you mean like if it's a movie from 1980 that... <laughs> you know neither of us has seen before or no i, I don't think i count that i mean unless you okay. want to just like uh, no nah, yeah. <laughs> no that that is a little much but no i, I think that's a good idea like you know so basically because there is so much stuff that you know has foreign releases or small theatrical runs it's just you know really hard for both of us to see it uh when it comes mm. out that as long as it's yeah like you know within reason uh yeah you. yeah i mean I highly like it would always be just the previous year probably that some movies would yeah. probably sneak in from um as opposed to like you know five years ten years whatever although i mean i think maybe we could do like a little bonus thing where it's like top five movies for each of us that we did in the show this year that we hadn't seen before that are older like you know here okay so sure. yeah. you know this year i watched you know, leprechaun 2 for the first time <laughs> so maybe that's my favorite like you know we'll call it um arc not archive legacy movie oh, of the go. year or something I don't know. <laughs> that's cool yeah um i don't know anyway uh so that's a that's a conversation for the end of the year or maybe a few months into next year if we do it like we did this year so um yeah, yeah there you go that has been uh screams after midnight and it's been a lengthy episode mm-hmm. 
hopefully you got something out of our discussion and you enjoyed uh, our back and forth on it. Um, obviously, uh, you can support the show by going to Patreon, patreon.com slash TV, where you can support us for as little as $1 per month. And for that $1, you will get a bonus episode of Streams After Midnight every month. Um, you'll also get uh, other th- other bonuses for other shows. You know, get, you get an extra episode of the Ace, the Atomic Cinema Experiment, which is a sci-fi movie podcast I do with Tara. You get a show with me and Connor, uh, kind of monthly, not necessarily always hitting it though, uh, which is called Mail Fuzz Mysteries, which is a kind of a random topic show. You get all those things for $1, plus you get early access to some stuff uh, and so on. Um, and then the other tiers have voting in them higher up and uh, other things like sponsorship and, and producer tiers and things like that. So go have a look at that. You can also support us by rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. Um, obviously, if you're on YouTube, uh, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Let us know in the comments what you thought of the movie we talked about uh, or uh, the news we discussed. Uh, please do that. Um, as for promoting all this stuff, I mentioned the sci-fi podcast. Uh, do also check out all the TV reviews we've got going just now. Um, Stranger Things season three is uh, is going ongoing, and me and Connor are working through that. Uh, so, so check that out. Um, as well as all TV stuff, other movie stuff, and so on and so on. Uh, so I think that's uh, everything. Oh, Twitter at Screams Midnight. Check us out on Twitter <laughs> at Screams Midnight. Follow us on there. Do that. That's a fun place. Uh, <laughs> Tim, any final thoughts yeah. you would like to... It doesn't have to be about the movie. Any final statement you would like to impart with the the audience? Um, uh, just looking forward to uh, eating dinner after this. Do you know what, Tim? I, as am I, I. I mean, I've had dinner, but like, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry again because so, whenever we have a long recording, it's like two hours, mm. which is, this has been just over two hours. Um, I always, mm. like, after all that talking, it's like, no, I'm hungry again. That, that took energy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Yeah, I'm glad we agree. We're, we're two hardworking fellows. Uh, that has been Screams After Midnight. Hopefully you enjoyed the news, been part of the format. Uh, that'll be a weekly thing. Uh, obviously, when we get to the October-thon, obviously not every episode is going to have news in it. You know, <laughs> like you'll get one news episode a week. Um, but uh, on the October-thon, actually, we're going to be starting prepping for that this month, like very soon. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I will tell you that not only, you know, patrons usually get three votes in September for the Octoberthon, um, patrons will also get three bonus episodes in October. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. And if we're not convinced you to go to Patreon yet, uh, if we hit a goal of $250, uh, as long as it stays above $250, me and Tim will do a monthly live stream called Streams After Midnight where we'd maybe do a live movie watch, maybe we play a horror video game, or we just sit and chat about horror stuff, whatever it is. But we'll do that. Anyway, that has been us finally. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching the scary movies, guys, and we will see you next time.